Oh shit! Did things fall off? Those pieces of shit. See, it's really too yeah, fancy, they don't really. bro. Yeah, they get too fancy. Yeah, whatever. Ooh. This one, we got another one. Oh wow! Were we live already? Yeah. <laughs> I hit when you said go. Whoops! <laughs> Sorry. Uh, cheers, sir. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Mm. Donald, we were talking about uh, the different kinds of comedians that there really are, like meme comedians. They're they're comedians. They have a, a special skill set. It's a different thing. They have a they have a special skill set. In fact, one of my closest friends, Bearded Humor, he's like um, I would say, if he was a stand up comic, he would probably be be in my top five in terms of creativity, in terms of uh, uh, talking about things in the moment and just all out funny. You know, the skill set for stand-up now, it used to be, I started 25 years ago, it used to be the only way you proved yourself as a person with any type of comedic integrity while I was on stage standing flat-footed in front of an audience that you probably n n don't want you to be funny or no, have, have no idea you're going to be funny. But these mean, these mean people in Photoshop, especially because our attention is so quick and so drawn to social media, people, I don't even know if people are as excited about stand-up as they used to be. And now it's excited about what's going to be the newest thing. What's going to be the what's going to be the hottest photo, the Photoshop. What's going to be the hottest image? Well, that's the easiest to get, right? It's easier to get it on your phone. You get those images, the photoshops, and the memes that are funny that hit you immediately. But I think right, right now, I mean, especially when you go to the store, don't you think there's like more people interested in stand up now than ever? Yeah, but it's so we we in we in, in a tricky place now. People are interested in it, but people are so they're more critical of stand up. Now more than ever, ever. It used to be a time when you could just say uh, what you wanted and people say they, that person was outspoken, outrageous, but they were themselves. But now you tell one joke, uh, one blogger, one troller, dissects your jokes and prints your jokes. Don't do the setup. Don't yeah. do the callback. Don't do the tag. And next thing you know, you offended somebody. Yeah. But I think with a lot of events that happened today, uh, that are happening now, comedy is going to start taking a, a shift back to people with honest voices. I think so too. I think there's a direct backlash to like political correct thinking and the the type of uh, policing that you're seeing. You see, you've been police. I mean, you. I, I understand police and stuff in the Catholic Church, police, <laughs> police and stuff in a regular church. But you go to a comedy club to police, you're in the wrong place. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, people that go to a comedy show, they'll walk out and protest. Their mindset was to protest before they even went there. Yeah. They're just waiting for the trigger word just to be like, well, I never, and they'll leave. Well, it's a way to get a lot of attention. You know, being outraged at something, especially if you kind of have a point, like if you could you could articulate that point, right. it's a great way to get attention. With the you people, that are the trollers and the people that... Yeah, that, I mean, there's a, there's a giant market for that. Like, if you think of, like, a, if you're a comic and you're a famous comic and you're outspoken, you know, and, and someone could take your bit and, and take it apart like they've done with Chappelle I mean, right. many times, right? But Chappelle owns it so much. He owns it. I was just with him. And you, I've, I've never seen a guy that flips our sets over. Like, he's just writing another five-minute bit. That's weird, right? But the, thing, but the thing is, now, I've watched some of his new stuff and things he's doing now. He's going to lead the charge for comedians having their voice. I did a show with him at the store recently, and at the end of it, he said, comedians now more than ever, you need to grab your balls because it's our job to talk about the things that are bad in this world. Yeah. And we are the best people for it. Well, it's the last line of free speech. 
it's the last real line of free speech because you don't have a real boss. Right. Like when you go on stage, it's no one's no one gives you a, a single word of direction. Right. You know, that's that's a very unusual place to be in in terms of entertainment. And, and something that reaches especially with someone like Dave, millions and millions and millions of people. Every time he does a Netflix special, every time somebody he does anything that's filmed, it's going to hit millions of people. Yep. To have no one telling you what to do, no one, no one giving you. And any then when input. they try to tell you what to do, you you resist it and you do what you want to do. He's a real comic. He's a real. But you have comic. that. I've been following you for a while. I've been a comedy store for years. I'm always in the cut, and I've seen you do some material like. How the fuck does he get away with this? Like, I know how because he fucking owns it. And well, that's the I whole really thing. believe what I'm saying in a lot of ways. Like in other things, it's obvious that I don't really believe it, but I'm saying it because I think it's funny. And like, I think, you know, you know what I think comedy doing. is for us? As much as people are like, oh, I need that. I think for comedians, it's therapeutic for us too. Yeah, it's 100%. Can you imagine a situation? You have an argument with your wife or somebody, and you can't go on stage that night just to talk about how pissed off she made you. Yeah. That's our outlet. Yeah. So as much as people get stuff out of us, when you come to a show, we get now our, our psychiatric exam right on the spot. Yeah, also, like, you could complain about some shit, right? You can complain about someone saying something or something happened, or you could turn it into a bit, and you can get hundreds of people just dying laughing. Right. Like, I've had some, I had some conflicts online, one of them with a, a bunch of vegans. They, they conflicts, <laughs> so you entertain somebody. <laughs> you try to be, you're like, I don't got time for that, I'm not going to entertain, but every once in a while, you just want to punch a troll well, in the face, just I hit them with a couple. I read the comments, that's the problem, is that occasionally you read the comments, like, holy shit, like, people just want you dead because... Uh, you know. Anyway, I had this whole uh, thing in my act about uh, chasing down the hashtag vegan cat. Right. <clears throat> Somebody wrote some mean shit to me, and then this hashtag vegan cat. I was like, what the fuck is that? I went there, and there's a whole community of people <laughs> feeding their cats vegetables. And but but in 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 doing this and like tracking this down and cha uh, and like it, it makes you realize like okay I gotta write a bit about this because I could just get mad. It's easy, it writes itself. Yeah, it writes itself. I could just get mad and be upset that someone's being mean to me, or right. I could turn this shit into fuel. Or you could just go fucking just destroy the whole vegan community. There's nothing. It's not the ve it's nothing wrong with vegans. It's just, the problem no, is have, the same shit as every other group. I don't really know too many vegans that aren't assholes, bro. I know some vegans that aren't assholes. I don't My know. Rich Roll, he's a great guy. My John friend Joseph. If he's a great guy Neil Brennan He's a vegan He's an yeah. asshole I think he's a little bit you know, of an asshole Oh man Neil Brennan is a motherfucking prick What he's are you so talking funny, about man. He's You so can tell funny. when people Are turning to ass When they, the asshole Is embodying them Yeah Especially people wear glasses Because they wear They have like Million different frames Ooh. That's when you're at the next level of being an asshole when you switch your glasses up. But Neil Brennan is a vegan. He's one of those. I don't think vegans should be allowed to go to a barbecue. <laughs> and complain. And complain. They yeah. all come to a fucking barbecue. They got their patties. They're upset if you've been cooking meat on a grill that was designed to cook dead animals. Yeah, that's what it's and they get up And they get upset. So all vegans are assholes. I'm sorry. It's not all of them, but I see what you're saying. All the ones that I know. <laughs> and then because because when they make the when they make their transition, they can't just become vegans. They gotta they just gotta let you know I'm vegan now. They can't yeah. wait. Till you say dinner. Is it vegan options? It's vegan, vegan. They just can't do it. They gotta make an announcement and they gotta let everybody know that I'm a vegan now and I'm an asshole. They think they're saving the world. Yep. And the worst is a vegan. It always gets colds. 
Yo, whenever I see Neil Brennan coughing, <laughs> whenever I see him call, I say, so how's that vegan life going, you fucking flu-having-ass motherfucker? I always say that to Ian Edwards. I'm like, dude, you look tired. You look oh, yeah. exhausted. I take pictures of Ian every time we fly together and he falls asleep. I take pictures of him. Ian just sitting there. I'm like, look you at need Ian. Some motherfucking get, protein. Get some man. goddamn B12 in your diet. Get a steak in your motherfucking diet. He said he would eat meat, but he would only eat elk that I killed. He said he would eat some uh, some elk meat. So I'm gonna cook him some elk meat. We're gonna we should film it. He'll probably like bounce around like super person. Like he's been eating nothing but lentils for the last 20 years. Elk? How do? Where does one go to even shoot an elk? Utah, um, Colorado has a lot of them. There's yeah, some of them in California. How do you? How do you Transport is there a loss? Can you transport your kill, or you have to break it down wherever wherever you kill it? You uh, you have to have uh, first of all, you have a tag, and then when you when you have a tag, you're allowed to get a certain kind of animal. So say if it's like a you have a a buck deer tag, that means you can kill a male deer, and then once you kill it, then you break it down. And you either bring it to a butcher shop and they turn it into cuts for you or you could do it yourself and wrap it up. But you have to have a tag. You have to register that you killed that animal and you have to keep that, that, that with you, that paperwork with you. So if you transport the, the meat across state lines and some game warden pulled you over and said, do you have a deer in your car? And you go, yes, I do, sir. And he's got to see that you have the paperwork for it. I don't want to sound um, racist at all. <laughs> But I don't know a black person that could tell that story that you just told about killing, butchering up, yeah. and transporting a dead animal. Yeah, that's what you have to do. That's how you do it. You, you got to put them on ice. I mean, you have to. You have an obligation to try to save the meat. You know, you, you, when you uh, have an animal and it's down, you want to get it into like a, a, a packaged form as quick as possible. You want to break it down. Sometimes, dude. Sometimes people hang things. They hang things in their it's garage very, in the cold. Too so. You you mentioned the word hanging. All I think about oh. is Jesse Sumlet. Oh. oh my God! Talk about Crazy setting story. a whole bunch of people back in one interview. Crazy story. Interesting. Such a mess. It's a mess, and I think what's really awful about it because his story it was it was like good and bad of it. The good of it was when people thought that he was violated and he was a victim of a hate crime, it wasn't just gay people that was uh, rushing to support him. It was like thug dudes, you know what I'm saying? It was like some real motherfuckers that was like, I mean, I saw Exhibit make a comment. It was a community of people away from the LBG community that thought it was really fucked up. Yeah. And... That's that was the beauty of the incident because it kind of brought people together, and but the fucking thing about it, it was just a lie, and it's so fucking unfortunate. It's so unfortunate somebody would play on people's emotions, yeah, for or to benefit themselves. It's it's awful. Well, there's a certain narcissism that exists in show business that I think you and I both know very well. You know, we've all seen it and. Thankfully, the people that seem to be the best, for whatever reason, they have the, some of the best handles on it. 
Like Dave doesn't show any of that. Right. But there's some people that do. And that narcissism is weird. That that wanting it to be all about them and they'll right. ca- they'll they'll do sneaky shit like fake an attack. Like that's that's a symptom of that same kind of thinking. It just it just got desperate and went in some crazy way. It was awful for some reason because you have people like when that f- first went down, you had people that normally people that you would look at, okay, that's my friend or whoever, you started having side eyes and that's just it's just it's so messed up, and I think also it's messed up. As much as people wrote for him when they thought that it was an injustice or everything, nobody's really talking about it. Nobody's addressing it. Like, you know, this is our movement. These are things that we, we're trying to progress toward. But this was an isolated incident, and just say how awful it was. You yeah, know? you know, the beautiful thing is that people are way more tolerant than they ever have been before. The also beautiful thing is attack didn't happen. Right, so right. we don't have to think of one more atrocious thing that people have done to another person for no reason. Right, so that's good, and it's also good that you get to see where that kind of stuff heads. Where you're always looking to be a victim to the point where you realize there's like some sort of a currency in being a victim. So people fake being a victim, right? So they can get all this fucking attention. It's good for us. It's good for us to see because you see that now. Next time a story comes around that's just a little fishy, you're gonna second guess it. Huh. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the boy cried wolf, and that's what's unfortunate about it because anytime someone says that they were a, a victim of such a heinous crime like that, you want to believe them. You want to believe them the minute they said. Yeah. But with this incident, it makes you start second-guessing the thing, and yeah. that's another thing that was awful about the whole thing. Well, and all the smoke he's getting right now that he deserves, because I've been tearing his ass up on Instagram, yeah. on everything. He, de- he deserves every bit of it. He knows he deserves it. Everybody yep. knows he deserves it. I read, I read a story once about this dude who said that he punished his daughter by making her sit in the backyard by a tree, and then he went out there an hour later, and she was gone. And he suspected that coyotes got her. And I remember thinking that story going, man, that just does not sound real. That does not sound real. It just seems weird. Yeah, you This guy you, left a baby in the backyard and coyotes got it. Like really Well, it was like a new like a like a not not walking or anything like a well, he left the baby, like, to punish the baby, like a two-year-old. That's left awful. it in the yard. Well, it, it turns out he really didn't do that. The kid died, and he he'd stuffed it in some drainage ditch somewhere. So this, uh, I, I don't remember how the kid died or what was the, the reason for it, but it was one of those stories where you hear the story like, Jesus, this doesn't sound real. Sometimes stories don't sound real. Yeah. But the next thing, we're, we're going to be second-guessing everything. Well, I hope not. But when it first went down, I thought it was a, I thought it was a situation where Lee Daniels and and Jesse sat down in the writer's room, and Lee Daniels said, anybody got any ideas for any new episodes? <laughs> and Jesse's like, I got one. Nobody's ever going to believe it. Look, I'm going to be hungry as shit, right? I'm going to go to Subway to get a 12-inch foot long. And Lee Daniels like, I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that part. And then he went through the whole story, and Lee Daniels said to him, nobody's going to believe it. Jesse got upset and told, the, told Lee Daniels, We'll see. I'm going to shoot it myself. And he walked himself into that, that whole scenario. And it's just awful. That's entirely possible. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like it. Now you're going to say, now anybody that was a fan of Empire, which I know a lot of people that's listening were, being very sarcastic when I say that, they're going to be like second guess the storyline of so many of those shows, the storylines of everybody who ever said that they were done wrong or anything. You, The awful thing about this is now people going be ready and quick to just second guess anything that you say. Yeah, that's that's a fact. Until we can read each other's minds, until we can find out for sure, that's gonna change the whole game. Be any reason somebody's mind? Yeah, 
that's definitely going to eliminate a lot of street fights. <laughs> Most of them. I mean, you talk about your yeah. your imminent danger senses are going to be one, up one hundred percent if you yeah. can read somebody's mind. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I would want to do that. I do. I like having secrets. I'm all in. I like having secrets too, but I like going all in. I think all in. I think I think it's just inevitable. We were talking about it in the last podcast about there's something they're going to be able to shoot into your neck. What did he say? The way he described it. Some, yeah, like an injection that will take over, sort of. Well, it's, it, but what, the way it interacts with your brain cells. Th- thread. Yeah, itself thread in. itself in your brain cells. So literally like having, I think we're going to have built-in Wi-Fi internet systems where we're connected to each other's heads. So this is what people request to us, like a, a study they're going to try out on people. Or you could just go to your doctor and say, shoot me with the brain shit. I think eventually it's going to be shoot me with the brain shit. First, you got to get it on a clinical trial. Right. <laughs> First, you got to be willing to be. Well, a who do you get big. for that? Like heroin addicts or crackheads? <laughs> who do you get for that? Like, who is close to no brain cells and shit? And that's the one we tried on. But what was that movie? There was a movie where a dude got shot and they put some chip in his back. Yeah, upgrade. I upgrade. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it did that to him. It turned to be like had access to all the information. He knew martial arts. He knew how to move. And everything was happening like he was a, basically like a supercomputer inside of a person that wow. could do everything. This Artificial guy, intelligence is right down the line. Dude, they're talking about this shit, shooting it into your brain. We're going to share a network. We're all going to be on a network Well, there's going to be a lot of white people joining that effort because black people don't fuck with needles, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do none of that. Unless it's heroin, we don't take uh, out needles like that, bro. I'm telling you, you say that, but how many, how many athletes are on steroids? Yeah, but that's a different that's a different animal. I'm talking about the average black dude, I know. That's Brooklyn true. Brownsville, or okay, okay. or Watch or something like that. Yo, I got this new brain shit. We ejected through a needle. They gonna fuck you up. They don't want to hear that shit. That's f- hilarious, and that's probably true. I mean, how many people are gonna try that? Like, who's gonna be the earliest adopter of getting a, a shot in your neck that, that lets you read everybody's mind? <laughs> I, and then what are you going to do with it? It's an interesting thing. It's going to fuck our job up, man. Because like half of what we do is say shocking shit that people know is kind of true, but you can't believe you're saying it. And then you'll have people in the audience like, oh, not the old went to the subway joke coming up. <laughs> <laughs> you come, that, if you could do that, that'd be the ultimate fucking joke uh, hater right there. Oh, yeah. Two guys walking the bar. You don't got anything other than that? Uh, no, nah, I, think, I think I'll have to pass on that. Keep it raw. Yeah, it's gonna be weird. When would you get it? Like, you wouldn't. Would you want to be the first comedian to have it? No, you almost want to be a fool who doesn't have it. If you want to be a comedian, yeah, yeah. I want to watch other motherfuckers do it first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll sit in the back. But the problem is, they're gonna fucking take over like finances, like instantly. They're gonna as soon as they they upload their brain, they're like, I'm just gonna get all this money. I'm gonna figure out a way to get all this fucking money. And then by the time you shoot it into your head, they've already got the system locked down. But see, that's you have different level of people that you hang out with because your level, (laughs) your level, be like, how are we gonna get the money but my level be like yo we got this brain shit how we gonna get some ass off of this dog you can get it you'll be more <laughs> if clever. you can read a broad mind you get all the ass you want all of it yeah you would know but then it wouldn't be fun like half the fun is not knowing if somebody likes you right, right? you don't know what, what's gonna happen here is this gonna work out what was that movie with mel gibson where he could he could read women's minds what what uh women want and they, re- oh. they remade it right now it's coming out i've seen really the, i've seen the billboard with that's uh, hilarious Taraji henson and uh, tracy morgan that's hilarious Tracy I had, a, I had a conversation with Mel Gibson the other day on the phone. It was one of the weirdest things in my life. 
I'm just happy to know I have friends that could say that. See, you have a lot of sentences my friends can't use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know how you kill them. You know how you kill an elk? <laughs> All right, here's the difference between a buck and so-and-so. You got to trigger it one time. And then it's like, oh, in a couch, yeah, so I'm on the phone with Mel Gibson the other day. I was it's on the a, phone with Ray Ray the other day. <laughs> well, I'd rather be on the phone with Ray Ray. No, but not, it's not bad to talk to Mel Gibson. It's just, it's like, okay. Right. Uh, he's a regular, he's a dude. He's a guy. He's Mel Gibson. He's, he's Mel Gibson. But you go like fucking for real? Like you're talking to him, you're like, for real? Is a real conversation with Mel Gibson? Yeah, I would be that would be very interesting. And That's, I've never run into him. He's a super nice guy. He did a podcast to talk about the stem cell doctor that helped his dad. Oh yeah. He came on for Dr. Neil Reardon. He's this guy in Dallas that uh treats people down in Panama. He's got this radical stem cell therapy that you can't get in America. And it fixed Mel Gibson's dad was ninety two and he was in a wheelchair and now he's a hundred and he's walking around. Like What's he's- the issue with stem cell situation in in America? Because I don't hear too much. The last time and I I'm not probably as knowledge as you are, but wasn't um Christopher Reeves trying to um promote st- more stem cell research i'm sure he was yeah he had that spinal cord injury from yeah. a horse r- horse accident he yeah. was doing those horse jumps yeah south park thing remember i don't remember you just south park the next level like eating dead babies to like get the stem cells oh, like 12 Christ. years old as soon as really you said like, south park oh, and i was like this is gonna take they, a bad turn bad. yeah yeah they maybe they the episode hard. about rape on south park they don't give do a anything. fuck they are the best they give shit. No, no, they're, they're also pushing the boundaries like unfiltered they, they're the ones out there that are promoting like ridiculous, preposterous comedy that's completely offensive but brilliant. That's one of the things that when we were doing the Chappelle show, the one of the things I appreciate more than anything about that show was how it brought people of all races, yeah. all backgrounds together to do the thing that we all should have in common, and that's to laugh. And also to not push the button but touch on racial stuff without having an angry undertone. And that's what's so fucked up about America now. Whenever you talk about race, it feels like one side, somebody has to tent, be tense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's never like a comfortable state. It's never like, and I know things are intense, but we, we have to be able to laugh first. Once you get people to laugh, you can talk about whatever you want. And then even if a person is not in agreement or have the same thoughts, at the end of the day, you should be able to respect that person. And I think those same people should be able to share a laugh. Yeah, and there was a, a, a fun, silly, non-aggressive quality to the way you guys put together sketches that got the point across and everybody laughed. Everybody laughed. And when I, I joke to this, to this day, when I travel, when I do my audiences, it's interesting because, of course, you would think that I'm going to draw a certain audience because I'm black, which I, you know, which I am and I do. But it's weird. I could go to places and it's straight up like Dave called them, the, the, the muddy boot motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Like the muddy boot motherfuckers, the muddy boots, the jo- they got John Deere. Right. You know what I'm saying? They know all that elk shit you talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, them John Deerers know all that John shit. Deers. They probably call it right now and say, no, Joe, I think you got that wrong. You got to cut the heart from the ends. You know you got to go left to right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I noticed I have those people and then I have hood people. But it's just interesting when you can look out. And this is what that show did. When you can look out in the audience and you say you have all of America there. It was the best sketch comedy show in the history of television, I think. I think In Living Color is very, very, very overlooked. People forget how goddamn groundbreaking and groundbreaking. It was right. And both of them, like, wherever I go, people always, they always bring it up. It was a big point in my career. But I was like, 
every, as, I don't know if it happens every 10 years, every 15 years, it comes a time where uh, the audience wants something different. Yeah. They sick shit watered down. Yeah. Same way when In Living Color, same way when Def Comedy Jam came out. You know, you, you didn't see a lot of uh, uh, black stand-ups on TV, but they had this underground circuit that was bubbling, that was bubbling, and it was it was the right time, and they pulled out the right time. In Living Color comes around, it's the right time. Yeah. The Dave Chappelle show comes around, it's the right time. The Richard Pryor show, even though that only lasted three or four episodes, it was the right time, and it caught on at the right time. Yeah. Um, it, in terms of, like, groundbreaking sketch comedy shows, though, like that, that, that KKK bit, where he had the uh, the Bruh, blind. You, let me tell you something. Do you understand? In the history of sketch, nobody has premiered a sketch show and came off so hardcore the first night. As hard as it, as hard as it comes. When they ended that shit, when when we asked why, <laughs> <laughs> why after all these years, would you so so? It was like because she's a nigger lover. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that was one of them, that was one of them joints. I'm like, wake up everybody, no more sleeping in bed. I knew from that moment that this show was going to be on the next level of yeah. shows. Well, it was he was free. It was, it was so many, mo when we did, funny thing, a lot of things, I used to do, I was a warm-up comedian for a Chappelle show. So whenever you saw a Chappelle show episode, and if you notice that whenever I came on screen, and I'm not being cocky, people would go nuts. They'd be like, oh, shit. And the reason was because I was a guy that warned the audience before Dave came out. Oh, okay. So I knew if I go gut the room out at the beginning, people don't, people don't even, they didn't, nobody knew who I was or anything. If I ripped that at the beginning and then when they see me on the screen, it's going to be like, it's going to be big. You of know? course, yeah, and that, and and that show, man, it was just like, it was just a lot of a lot of things happened that show. People like the uh, Rick James sketch. The day we played that during the wraparounds, man, that shit hit so hard. I was like, this shit is is fucking crazy. Retarded. Crazy. The funny thing people don't know is that Comedy Central did not like that sketch. <laughs> Comedy Central, here's the here's yeah, it's funny. Comedy Central didn't oh. like the sketch. And Comedy Central didn't think Charlie Murphy was funny in it. And I watched, we ran that shit, six, just to let you know the direction people think. I watched that shit six times. And every time, man, every time you heard Dave say, I'm Rick James, bitch. <laughs> it was guts, son. It was guts, son. Yo, what did the five fingers say to the face? Pow! <laughs> When's the last time you had a sketch was getting kids suspended in school? Right. People was right. going to school to their teachers. What did the five fingers say? say? Pow! I'm Rick James, bitch. <laughs> All right, Tommy, you suspended for a week. You and Dave Chappelle go to the fucking timeout room. It's one of the most iconic sketches of all time. How wrong was Comedy Central? I mean, not just a little wrong. A, lo a, a, a long All wrong. the way wrong. All the way wrong. Like, almost like suicidal. It was like, hmm. But then it goes to show, like, <laughs> it goes to show, you know how you have a vision with something. You see it. Yeah. Everybody may not see it. Well, that's the problem with working with executives, too, right? It's like their vision is different than your vision. They yeah. like to sh shape you in a certain way. And, you know, and I know Dave ran into problems with them wanting them to change language mm -hmm. so they could get more sponsors. Yeah, I'm, I think I think that that was an, an issue. And to be quite honest, I don't know exactly 
what happened. Everything is speculation. You never talked to him about it? Never talked to him about it because the reason why I never talked to him about it because I didn't need to talk to him about it. You know what I'm saying? Um, That show was great for me. It was a great, great platform for me. And then it was more important. My friendship and how he felt away from that was more important than so why'd you leave? Right. Where'd you go? Yeah. You know, the first time I saw him, I'm like, as long as you're okay. Because this could be scary for anybody, one of your closest friends, somebody you work with, all of a sudden just goes to another country, you don't hear from him, you know? Yeah. But when I first saw him after that, like, I was excited, and I was just like, you know, whatever it was, we had a moment, we made history, and people go on, people go on to do other things and just keep it moving. Well, but that show was really, people always say, Donnell, if it wasn't for the Chappelle show, this and that, the uh, Chappelle Show gave me a platform for people to see what I've been doing for years. And you know, you see talents in the club now. You see a motherfucker that's good as shit, good as shit. But will they get the right platform for the world to see them? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of separate. Um, you see one person go from one level to the next level. Who has the right platform to showcase their talent? And that show did that for me. And with that said, I gave that show everything. Every time I had a second on camera, every time... Like if you look at two and a half years on that show, if you had an editor break down how many times I spoke, it would probably be a total of four minutes. I'll get a word here. I'll get a phrase here. But I told myself, whenever they turn that motherfucking camera, I'm going for it. Like even if I'm not talking, I'm going to make my body so expressive that your eyeball draws to. With I remember Neil told me one time, he said, because I always, I always get a mic because I'll come up with a line or something to throw in. And we were doing a Rick James sketch, and I didn't have a mic. I was like, yo, uh, sound. And Neil said, you're not going to get a mic, bro. I said, I might, I, I might, I was like, I might say something. <laughs> he was like, you're not going to say anything. I was like, fuck. So I told myself, when he smacks this motherfucker, because if you look at that scene, when he smacks him, I said, what the f-? I was like a, like a, uh, uh, watch the square park mime. <laughs> I I pushed that. I said, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I made my face. He didn't give me a mic, but I said, "What the fuck?" With my face, and I always, as people always ask me about that show, and it'd be young actors and stuff like that. They talk to me. What do you need to do? I was like, with anything, the best thing to do is figure out a way to get on a set. You get on a set. You, you do background, you learn, you get opportunities, you got to be around it, you got to get a skill set. But when it's time to show up, you got to show up. You have to show up. Motherfuckers talk a lot of shit, I want to do this out there, and then when they say action, motherfuckers ain't ready to show up. And every time motherfuckers say action in any situation, you got to show up. Well, you have a, a great ability to express yourself on stage and on and on, on TV. Some people feel uncomfortable. They just like to be cool while they're telling the jokes. Right. Like some people have that style. Like your style is big, you know. I, I appreciate, you know, you ever see Jim Brewer? Yeah. I saw Jim Brewer like the first time I saw him, we were really young. Young Jim Brewer? Yeah, we were real young. And my manager, Jason Steinberg, says what's up. No, tell him I said what's up. No, don't. When I, I first saw Brewer, he's so physical. And I remember, yeah. think, I remember thinking. You get tired watching yeah. him. <laughs> I know. Like, I, remember, I remember Jim Brewer like Boston <laughs> Comedy Club days. Yes, yes. I mean, when you, I mean that's why when you yeah. mentioned his name, I was like, yeah. which Jim Brewer are we speaking of? What's that? Young our Jim dad Brewer. Jim, okay, I mean, yeah. even today, our dad Jim Brewer today, right. I mean, he's still real energetic. But man. I'm telling you, when I tell you. I used to, I saw him 
in his super prime. He was a murderer. And he was, he destroyed shit. Destroyed. Like, shut the light. Like, who's going to do anything after that? You know? Who? Dude, I ate shit following him once. Right. One of the worst bombings of my entire career. I was, I was headlining and Jim was middling. We were working together. We did And four. you know, middling is a prime spot to fuck Ooh, somebody up. Prime <laughs> spot. That's a prime spot. 2025? We had a good MC too. So the MC was like, got the crowd really popping. And oh. the middle came on. And Jim just ripped the place apart. Right. He ripped it apart. And I was scared. And right. I had a blown out ACL at the time and I was wearing Cavaricis. I was wearing like uh, What's sexy Cavari- pants. Oh, shit. Like, like that thought, try- <laughs> I don't even think of that thought. I like too much information. Pause. They were these stupid pants that people wore in the 80s, man. Uh, like they were tight at the top and they flared out a little on the like legs. Like MC Hammer pants? Almost like a little bit. They were pathetic. That thought- I can't believe I ever owned them, but they were in style. And I don't I had, even like, believe a- I have that. That's what I, I, I have that that's what they look head. like oh, yeah man. look at that bro seriously you're not legit. shooting no elk in them motherfuckers no you're not <laughs> I think mine were probably jeans that's the awful. jeans ones like that like see the far left in the blue right there bam yeah mine's that's like those. awful bro terrible <laughs> that's awful how can I wear those and you have a straight face and then I had like some nice dress up shirt on and I just ate plates of shit but it made me rethink my whole act yeah because it was it was so such a humiliating bombing because I, I knew that they, the audience was right. I wasn't being funny. I was but nervous But those are the moments. Scared. Think about it. Those are the moments that make you. 100%. And like now I, I, I see in comedy, like I go to some clubs, motherfuckers trying to do the lineup kind of soft. Like, well, we can't put that person in front of that person because mm-hmm. they won't be able to follow it, blah, blah, blah. But it should be a point like when I, when I started, like the baddest motherfuckers in the game, they went on stage. Yeah, and if you was a new jack coming up, how are you going to have a defining moment in comedy? Yeah. You got to go behind somebody. Anybody can do. Somebody. If you got a, a hot room, everybody's doing good. But put that shit behind where you got a motherfucker like a Bill Burr comes in the room. Yeah, and just goes f- and fucks it up. What are you going to do? Flatlines it. Yeah. You got to stand up. Yeah, we did. I did a tour with him, Bill, and it's so interesting because I know they have one of those podcasts where the theme is "Have you ever had to come behind a destroy?" I forget. The podcaster that does it, but Chris D'Elia. If you was, ever had to come behind uh, a story of coming behind someone that just demolished. Oh, going on after them. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. And then Chris D'Elia, I saw Chris D'Elia do once. He said me in it. But when we were doing Chappelle show after Chappelle show, after second year Chappelle show, we weren't really making a lot of money on Chappelle show because the show s- still hadn't been proven. You know how yeah. something you got to if you got a contract, you got a contract. That's it. Just so happened the con- this, the show blew up. Before the contract was over, but that don't mean nobody's going to renegotiate. So we had this popularity, but we wasn't making money. And um, I came up with the idea of doing a tour called the I'm Rich Bitch Tour. <laughs> and at the time, at the time, Charlie was Charlie Murphy, like anywhere he goes. At the time, Bill Burr was um, uh, a headliner probably at the time in B rooms. You know what I'm saying? And there's no disrespect to him, but he was on the come up. Right. But when you saw Bill... You knew this motherfucker was going to be next. You knew he was going, he was going to pop it. But we still wasn't getting no cash. Charlie had never told jokes, and I, I was like, "How the fuck you around all these comedians? You never been on stage." So I used to bully him. You know, he tough ass motherfucker. Rest in peace. But I was like, "Yeah, you so tough, motherfucker, but not with a microphone in your hand." And I bullied <laughs> him so much that he finally went on stage. And Charlie, we, the tour was Charlie with MC, and all we needed him to do was 10 or 15 minutes. At the time, me and Charlie, outside of day, were two popular people on the show. Bill Burr had a couple of sketches, but Bill Burr didn't pop off of the show. 
and I and I was like, but if we're gonna do this, let's have a fire show. You know what I mean? Don't I, we could put right. somebody weak in the middle? I said, let's give them a show that they won't ever forget. And Charlie used to come out to 10 or 15 minutes. And I tell people there, I was like, who's the toughest person to follow? But Charlie would go out to 10, 15 minutes, and Bill Burke would come out and do 20 to 25. And then I came behind Bill. Not one night, for a year. A whole year. And Bill Burr's the type of act, you have no days off. You have no, uh, any of that, any any. Little inkling of being off, you was gonna hear. Yeah, I like the show, but the white dude was funny as a motherfucker, yeah. you know. And he and um, you could tell at that time that Bill Burr was gonna be a a star, whether it would have been movies or television. But as a stand up, you know, he was one of the pound for pound one of the dopest to do it. And yeah. that tour went on for a fucking year. We had a blast. Yeah, Bill's brilliant. Uh, I got to work with Charlie for, we did this Maxim tour. We did like 22 dates. Yeah. Me and him and John Heffron. We traveled all over the place. Was they, it when Charlie was starting to do it or was he kind of It's like two it? years in. He yeah. was two years in at the time. And you know, people, Joe, people understand how tough it is to start as a comedian. As a famous person. As a, as a comedian. that you're Basically, you're an open micer just selling out all across the country. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, but- you're Eddie Murphy's brother. Yeah. So you got to fight past all of that shit, creating your own identity. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I cannot imagine, like, the, the heat he probably had. Yeah, but he ain't Eddie Murphy. Right. He ain't Eddie Murphy. And that's one of the things that when Charlie passed that I really appreciated about what the Chappelle Show did for him. Because when he passed away, nobody said Eddie Murphy's brother died. Right. Everybody was like, Charlie Murphy passed away. So he had his true identity, and that was Charlie Murphy. It, yeah, and that was one of his bits. You know, the, the, you know, is it does it piss you off when people yell, Charlie Murphy? And he mm-hmm. goes, no, I'm just happy they're not calling me Eddie Murphy's brother anymore. That's funny. I remember yeah. that. That was yeah. like, at that time, <laughs> that was what, that was a joke that addressed it. And yes. it was kept on. And he, and, and he found himself. He got better. Yeah, he got better, and then he carved his own lane. He carved his he carved his own lane. Dude, I was with uh, Maury Smith, who used to be the UFC heavyweight champion, and uh, Ivan Salivari, who's a guy who fought in the middleweight division of the UFC, and a couple other professional fighters at a table with Charlie Murphy. And Charlie was explaining how none of these motherfuckers know how to do a Chicago Ridge hand. What, he was like talking about of, some karate shit. Oh, he was big on the karate yes, shit. But it is like Charlie Murphy's holding court, standing up while these UFC fighters are standing back. And Charlie Murphy's talking about Ridge hand. It's like talking about, and he knew exactly what he's talking about, oh, right? Yeah, he knew how to fight for sure. And I had, he had he he never he knew wanted, martial arts, man. He knew he was um he was big into it years. In fact, yeah. he, used, he used to be um. Eddie's bodyguard when Eddie was like right at the height of his stuff. But um Charlie was like martial arts, but everything that he said, it was the truth. You know yeah. what I mean? You you didn't feel it like, oh, this dude is lying. Everything he said, it was the truth. And one of the most genuine people you want to meet, man. Yeah. One of the, just a dope guy. Yeah, his karate lineage, like he has some sort of a connection to some of my friends. I'd, I'd yeah. have to ask them, to, but he was like a legit martial artist too. I saw one video of him in a in a martial arts contest, and <laughs> and it was, I don't know what I don't know. I always told I was like, "Yo, you knocked a fourteen year old, right?" I don't know how he. I don't know if it was a weight or whatever it was. And I was like, "Yo, that was a fucking kid. You just knocked out." He was like, "Yo, anybody in the ring could fucking get it," but he was. <laughs> Yo, he was Why gangster, are they putting son. kids in with him? I don't know. He never... I saw the video. He never wanted me to talk about it or whatever. I used to bust his balls about it 
I could tell. I could tell being around him that he legitimately knew how to fight. Yeah, you could tell. tell. The way he carries himself. Yeah, he just had that. That scowl, he just looks like that. But he was one of the nicest guys, man. He was so fun to be around. Like, not knowing him at all and then traveling with him for 22 days, we had so much fun, man. Oh, man, the stories. All just laughing and silly and super friendly. And And all he wanted to do was, man, just have a a good time and laugh. Yep. That's all he wanted to do and talk shit and talk shit to me all the time. And was so happy to be able to do stand-up. That was a big thing for him, you know, yeah. that he could do stand-up and, and travel I around. always tell him, I tell him all the time, I say, I, I birthed your career, dude. He did. Like, I bullied him into the shit. He did. That's hilarious. But he did it. But you could tell, you could tell, and I've been around him and I've been around his family, and you could tell when he was growing up, he was the guy that always had the center of attention. Yeah. You could just tell that. Yeah, you could tell. Yeah. He knows how to hold a story. Yes, he does. <sighs> that was a hard one, man. When he when he passed, I was like, I didn't know he was sick. I had no idea. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I had to continue to do shows, do radio interviews and stuff. And the thing that people kept saying was, he was so young. He was so young. And he was young. But um, I don't believe that we're all going to live to be 80, 90, yeah. 100, you know? Only thing we all guarantee when we're born, we have our born date, we have that dash in the middle, and then we have the end. And it comes down to what the fuck do you do with your dash? Yeah. How how hard did you live? What did you go for? What inspired you? What motivated you? What did you do with that dash? Who the fuck gives a fuck about living to 100 and you don't have a passport? You haven't been outside of your block. You haven't been out. You have never been on an airplane. What are you doing with your life? And I know Charlie from the point of being in the Navy to uh, being with his brother, seeing his brother reach a certain height of success, being interested about it, interested in the business, but, you know, kind of in there, but never really made your mark. And then you get a platform that you become and get your identity and shit. That's the dopest shit. Yeah, you know? it's, it's a, one of the best kind of success stories because yeah. it doesn't happen automatically. It's that Frank Sinatra and I did it my way. Yeah. And it's like, you know, people say what they want to say, but he put the work in. That, that I remember when um, I think the movie Eddie did called Norbit, right? And it came from a joke Charlie had. The start of that movie. And I guess, I think him and Eddie was talking, whatever. And then, you know how, oh, that could be, blah, 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 could be a movie. And motherfucker Charlie called me and said, yo, man, I think I get this movie deal. I said, what you, gonna, what you about to do? He said, I'm about to go lock myself in a hotel for 30 days and write this motherfucking movie. They already gave me the money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about somebody, I've been writing this movie for six months or whatever. It's like, I'm about to go block everything off and write this shit. And no matter what anybody wanted to say about how good the movie was, what the critics say, Anybody in this business, if you can do something where it goes from a thought and it goes to the paper and you can execute it, how many motherfuckers can do that? They don't do that. People talk shit all the motherfucking time. But then you say, how many you got in the can? Yo, I write movies. Give me a script. Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm almost, I'm, th- I'm 30 pages in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. 30, how many times you hear that story? Yeah. Well, there's I'm a thir- lot of that going on. I got a, I got a great idea. All right, what is it? Uh, I remember... I was 
this when Chappelle's show was popping, and Ludacris gave me a lesson out of nowhere. I saw him in the airport, and I was on Ashy Larry, hard. I was a rich bitch man, so I'm like looking at rappers like we're even, right? So Ludacris comes to the airport. I was like, "Yo, Luda," right? He said, "What's up, Ashy?" I said. I said, yo, can a motherfucker get in a movie or something? Because I just thought that's what you do. You just ask a motherfucker to get in a movie. I'm like, can a motherfucker get in a movie or something? And he looked at me, Joe. It was so cold. He looked at me right in my face. He said, we looking for people with ideas. And I looked at him like, well, I have none, right? So <laughs> um, I guess this is this conversation. And it did. And when I'm telling you, it was a lesson. How the fuck you going to ask for somebody for something and you don't got shit to give them. Well, you know, a lot of guys in the beginning think that's how you do it. That's how you do it. When I was on HBO's The Wire, this motherfucker told me one time, he said, yo, D, can you give me the number to The Wire? I think I could do that shit. <laughs> this motherfucker thought that there was like a hotline like, <laughs> from anybody from the streets. You ever thought about being an actor? You don't want to put those 10 years of getting rejected. Just call this number and we'll put you on the wire. You know what gets me about acting, though, is when someone who's never acted before goes in there and kills it. You know, like people who are like athletes in particular, like rappers have done it. Like a lot of people have done it. But some people. Singers. But singers. some people, I believe that you have natural talents. Yeah. I think some people have natural talents. That person, like you have a person that's trained and you have people that just are are natural and then yep. if you think about it acting is just uh it's uh playing make-believe so it who is can, just playing who can play make-believe better is it a person that is it a person that for uh, 12 years they've been studying and they went to the school or is it a motherfucker they got that one story and that one character that they can nail you know? Right, or is it a case of there's some people that'll do stand-up comedy for 30 years and they're never going to be that funny or dave could do it for a year and and kill you like Chappelle? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he could kill, but he's got, that dude is. But uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's some people that, there's. But he's just a whole different animal. And, I, and the reason why I say that, you're a great comic. I consider myself a great comic. You. I consider you a great comic. I appreciate it. And with that said, like, out, we do have egos. Like, as much as people talk about somebody, in your mind, you're like, I'm great too, motherfucker. But and I was like, and I, one day I was watching Dave on stage, and I'm like, what makes this motherfucker great? And I think, in my opinion, what makes him great is like, it's not too often that we have or opportunity to have a Muhammad Ali moment. And when I say that, I mean a moment where you gotta throw everything on the table. It's your integrity, your moral beliefs. What do I want to stand on? What do I want to stand for? And that's how some people get attached to. Of course, Muhammad Ali was the greatest, but it wasn't just in the boxing ring what made him great, it's what he stood for. And I think when I look at Dave Chappelle and I look at his stand-up and I look at his career and I say what made him great, and that's, and that's a person that's standing their belief is going to give you their unfiltered truth and they own it and don't compromise and don't back down to anything. Well, he, under know? he understands what's important about stand-up, especially the type of stand-up that he does. He has Having to your voice. full freedom. Yep, that's how you, you I've, I've heard you say shit on stage, I'm like, that white boy must can fight. <laughs> Certain white dudes, you like this, what the fuck just happened, son? Like, that motherfucker got some suplex or something, you know? <laughs> he know how to hit you, like, you know, like in a certain part of your neck and your whole shit is fucked up, you know? <clears throat> but those are people only. Uh, Tony, I was telling Tony Hinchcliffe. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
he was doing this joke about uh, what's the card motherfucker, the um, pedophile dude. Oh, Jared from Subway. Not Jared from Subway. He's he got a joke about Jared. No, from he Subway. got another other pedophile <laughs> motherfucker. Another one? Uh, Who's the other pedophile? The other one. He's a big actor, big time actor. He had oh, a Netflix oh, show. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Spacey, Kevin the, Spacey. The whack off at the bar, dude. Kevin Spacey. Yeah, man, yeah. Tony, watch this. Oh, my this. God, that bit is crazy. Man, that bit, and you know what, for me, that bit is so dope. I'm like this, I'm about to throw up. Yeah. I'm like, and he, so it's, good. it's like this, he won't stop. Yes, he, he won't owns stop. It. He's owning it. And I told him, and it was just, like I said, I don't know if it's a movement, but I felt like I was recruiting him for a gang, right? Yeah. I saw him in the hallway, I was like, yeah, me and I. Dave Chappelle was just talking about the brand of comedy that you have. Don't lose it. Ah, you know what I'm saying? It. Like, stay, stay true to yeah. it. Because as much as people fucking with us, they don't want you to say this, want to say that. Again, it's a handful of motherfuckers going to stay. They're going to stay to their truth, and they're going to be rewarded for that shit. Because the other shit is just bullshit, man. Can't nobody tell you what? How the fuck is somebody going to tell you what you think is funny as a comedian? And, you know, you don't even know if you think it's funny while you're doing it on stage. You're trying to make it funny. So there's a lot of stuff that people hear. Maybe they only hear it but once. But you know it's funny. You know it's funny. You just don't know where the funny is sometimes. You don't know what it, you, the rhythm of it because yeah. I know, you, I don't know what your writing process is. But What's yours? Mine is like, it's a it's regular conversation. Like, I, I have conversations with friends all day. It's yeah. talking about pop, I mean, topical stuff. And it's like, you know, people with a sense of humor is like, you see the funny side of anything. Like the, the Jesse Smiley, it's just Bill <laughs> Cosby, Smollett, whatever the fuck Whatever it is. is. The, all that shit. You think something funny. So I never try to sit down and like, I'm going to write this perfect joke. It's usually something that comes in a casual conversation. And it's those moments. You know how you talk to somebody, you be like, oh, that's funny. Usually that's where I start my writing. Yeah. If something connects with me like that. And I just go and... And, be- and believe in it and just force that shit to work. Yeah, once you, know? you get on that stage with that idea and you're you're in that moment and you have just like, remember, you know, everybody understands the first time you're trying a new bit. That's one of the weirdest moments ever. Everybody don't take a chance. That's one thing I say about you. The times I've watched you that I, I call them pussy comics. You know, motherfuckers just do a set like, yo, I'm going to fuck somebody after this shit. Right. I'm just going to stand outside and hear, good set, good set, good set. Then you got the motherfuckers like, no, that was a thought from last week. I got some more shit to talk about. I got some more shit to talk and you And you push those push those boundaries. A lot of people don't do that shit. You have to. It's I part can't of respect the them robot motherfuckers, son. Ah! Them robot motherfuckers. Talk to me. Yo, them motherfuckers that could, you could go to sleep and you wake up and you can end the sit. <laughs> Fuck out of here. We know it worked, motherfucker. Oh, no. And here comes my closer. Ah! Yo, I'm saving my closer. You really want to test motherfucking nuts? Open with your punk ass closer, motherfucker. Mm. Open with your closer, yeah. and we'll see how much strip them other motherfuckers got. Flip that shit up. Yeah. The motherfucker, I call them the broom psh. Yes. Broom psh. But Go they, on. They, they got scared, and then they got better. They got an act, and then they got scared again, and never got rid of that act. Right. And then they can't stand for the right motherfucker to be in the room. Yeah. They can't stand for motherfucker like this. Oh, that's what you did, bro? Guess what I'm doing? I'm going to flip a whole new set on your mother's ass. Maybe I won't yeah. even do a set. Maybe I'll just build some shit from this one motherfucker right here. Right. Not not a riff like your pants so tight, but pull something from him and just turn this into a whole shit. Yeah. And then that hard drive starts coming because you know we got millions of jokes that we never use 
they just get stored on hard drives. Yes. They like this. People like this. Is that your first time? When did you come up with that? 15 years ago. But <laughs> the moment was now. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's going to go now. You know? Yeah. And totally. that's it. I'm going to tell you, I've been doing it for 25 years. And after 25 years, I can honestly slay, say, I feel like I get better every year. Me too. And I think a, the same thing. That's yeah. somebody that's a, a purist. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I think that, uh, in, I mean, good sets and bad sets when you're working on new stuff. But I think overall, when I'm done after two years, each two years is better than the two years before when I'm ready to film. Yeah. I think that's what it's all about. It's, it's Man, fun. if you're not out there, if you're not out there creating a type of material where it's old, to, like, I'm going to do another special. Who are you doing it for? Here's the tricky part. Mm-mm. I'm not on, I might be on Netflix radar. But I don't have a deal with them, but I'm going to, not by myself, but Dave Chappelle has gave me a verbal commitment that he's going to produce my next special. Oh, damn. So, with that said, I don't have a home, but I'm pretty sure the level I've been operating with my stand-up, you know when you're ready. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I just know it, bro. I just know it. I think the energy that I'll bring to a special right now and then the energy that he would bring to produce it for me, it would just fucking blow up. And this is not something like, I'm not calling Dave up every day like, dude, you got to do my special. Every time I work with him, he was like, you got to let me do your special. I'm like, let's go, motherfucker. Yeah. So I feel good about that. I don't, I don't... I'm not saying that I'm eyeing this place, I'm eyeing that place. First thing I want to do is drop a, a put an hour of material that when it plays, it could change my life. You know well, what I'm saying? I've been seeing you at the store, man. You're locked in. You Thank can tell. You. you can tell you're doing a lot of sets. You got a I'm lot. Do, of, yo, I'm yo, I'm I want reps. Yeah, that's what's how, up. How, what, what what do you do, bro? I can't fuck. Reps. I'm gonna stay home for gotta reps. Have reps, gotta have reps. Never catch a motherfucker off guard. Yeah, I sometimes I'll do four sets in a night in L.A. I did, I did, and I was so proud of myself. I got six sets in in a night in L.A. Wow. And I was so fucking happy because that's a normal night in New York. Yeah. But in L.A., you got to plan that shit. Yeah. You got to hit the, you got to hit sunset. It's got to be like, boom, I'm out. But you feel like, you feel like you just can do whatever you want. Because you, you know if you starting off with something new on that first one, you got four more. By the time the night is over... You got that motherfucker. Yeah, it's when you're doing reps the same night too, when you hit that third set, it's almost like you're in this weird flow state where there's no resistance between you and the ideas. The material just comes out so loose. And then you know the thing you gotta do is it, it, it's one thing to have a joke. Anybody can, not anybody, but motherfucker can write a joke. And that's why you see some motherfuckers, you can you just tell that they're a good writer, but there's yeah. nothing, there's no performance of it. You know what I'm saying? There's no performance of like it. That brings me back to Brewer. Right, Brewer wasn't just like funny writing. He would get physically yeah. stretch his neck out. His man, he would, would do shit. And, and <laughs> I can see. I'm t- man, I'm telling you, the Boston Comedy Club years ago, Barry Katz ran and owned it at the time, and that was the premier showcase. Spot. Yeah, it's a great that place. Was, it was running neck and neck with the Comedy Cellar. Comedy Cellar had the longest legs. You know, it's the tortoise in the hair. Yeah, Comedy Cellar's been there forever. But this spot, and it was it was Jim Brewer. It was um. 
John and a round, round boy Johnny. Yeah, Street. yeah, 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 yeah. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. It was two guys. What is it? And round boy something? Fat Johnny and round boy? Was they that would, it? Yeah, they would demolish that how you say yeah. it. Yep, one of the, something like that. And then you had a motherfucker, seventeen year old, the round guy. Jumps, one of them. I don't Fat think they Johnny round and the round guy. They all dads now. Yeah, but I um, forget the name. That was a time where comedy was on fire, and Jim Brewer would demolish it. Jay it was, Moore used to demolish it. It was a great spot. It was one of those uh, real small clubs. Like, what did that seat? Probably 125, 130. But it was like, it was old comedy club vibe, brick wall, yeah. tightness. You know what I'm saying? Like, it reminds you of like... Red it, Johnny and the Round Guy, right? Is that yeah. it? It ah, reminds you of the... Beautiful. It reminds you, yeah. Red Johnny. Look at John Stewart. Oh, look at those guys. They were on TV. They were a team. They got on the pants you had on Earth. Yeah. Oh, no, I thought it was... No, no, no. <laughs> Mine were more pathetic. You know who I used to follow at the comedy <laughs> store that, that also changed my life? Martin Lawrence in the nineties. People oh. forgot. You came by him in the nineties? Dude, Martin I Lawrence. used to be the f- guy who had to go on after him. Mitzi used to always stick me on after Martin and Lawrence. And I know he was an animal then. I'm gonna oh. tell you, the first time I saw Martin Lawrence, and it was kind of made me I was interested in comedy. I was in DC, I was laying up in the bed with this chick <laughs> and uh HBO HBO bzz, You know when right? you like uh, yeah, it was like, uh, right. <laughs> yo, you just had popcorn for, yeah. Right? So Martin Lawrence came out there. They was like, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Martin Lawrence. And he sees little black dude, big ass ears, skinny motherfucker with all this energy. And this motherfucker opened line. He said, give it up for a brother making money the right way. He said, when you making money the right way, you can tell your lady shit like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I woke up. I was in the bed like, who is this motherfucker, right? <laughs> he said, "He said, uh, you can tell your lady shit like, shut uh, the fuck up. People's like, woo, woo, woo. Uh, and then he said, and he said, after that, he said, and she'll shut up too. <laughs> he said, she'll be like, you so crazy. <laughs> and like, who has, come on, son. The first sentence, you like, like, Boom! Yeah, and he ripped that shit. Yes, and if you was fucking with that shit, that it was like it was everything Martin did. That was a good time. He was going on stage with leather jumpsuits on, and I was going on after him. It was devastating. Well, you know, you already going to make it or made it if you going on with leather jumpsuits and you hitting comedy. Clubs. Well, it was just people were getting up in droves. By the time I would go on stage, everybody just wanted out that of the was building. That, that was, and this is what I say. That, what year was that? Ninety four. That was that was when. That was that's when specials were really specials, right? There wasn't that many that, of them. That was that's when it was. It wasn't that many of it. You had no. what? HBO was it. Yeah, HBO was it, and, and that was one of those specials where, like, and that's that's what I'm saying. With the next one I do, you never can plan stuff like that. But the energy I want to have is the energy he had, and that is like, this is going to change my life. And yeah. that was the energy, and that's what you so crazy. You could just feel it. I can imagine when he was done with that. Everybody can't like this. You know your life is about to change. You know, like yeah, a Bernie Mac. Yeah, with I'm scared of you, motherfuckers. Yes, yeah. You know the story behind That's that? That's an all-time classic. That's Do you know the story behind cl- it? No, the story behind it. It was this comic from DC named Butch Burns. Butch Burns was a DC legend, right? He was a senior guy of all of us in DC. Tony Woods and and Joe Recta. He was he was he was a senior guy. So in Def Jam, nobody really knew what Def Jam was going to be. It was just a new show. So Butch Burns had a set, 
and he didn't do well. He bombed, like throwing chicken bones. I'm not saying it's because it was a black audience. I'm just saying they was throwing bottles on the stage. They booed the shit out of this dude. Martin couldn't contain the audience. Martin couldn't do anything. It was just one of those things. You ever seen a room that's so fucked up that can't anybody do anything? And the only thing you're saying is, okay, just let me go on. So Butch Burns' career was dead. He's leaving, going up backstage, and he's talked to Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac said, listen, hold your head up. He said, the sun's not shining on you today, but it'll shine on you again. Just hold your head up. You'll be all right. And next on deck was Bernie Mac with an audience that was uncontrollable, Martin couldn't do anything. It was just like this. Nigga, you on your own, right? <laughs> it was one of the moments. And and that's where the phrase, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers, came from. That wasn't in his set. It was a real motherfucking comic figuring out what he's going to do in this moment. And he, he had to he had to. Kick <laughs> Let me him. hear this. Let me hear this. Give me some volume. I ain't coming for no foolishness. No, get, get it from and the beginning. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Right off the gate. Rewind it. I'm going to tell you Rewind something. it. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm telling you I ain't history. scared of you, motherfuckers. Rewind it one more time. I'm gonna okay. All right, stop it. Can you pause it for I one second? Pa- now, this is after a motherfucker's career was buried. <laughs> this is after uh, a Bernie Mac. He came on a year before that. And I think he thought he was dressed too old. He had like a Steve Harvey suit on. So he wanted to appeal to the youth a little bit more. That's why he got the graffiti thing. And he's backstage saying like, this could change my career. Another motherfucker's career is over. And this is a real comedian. This first line out the motherfucking box. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something straight the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no foolishness. And New York, goddamn y'all motherfucking women look good. Y'all like a bacon and egg sandwich look good. But I love sex. I love it. Can't do shit. Look no at their face. They bored. And I'm glad. <laughs> uh, yeah, we gotta. Although we're getting kicked off YouTube if we keep playing it. Oh, we, oh man! But the build-up <laughs> when he first get that, when he first do that. Yeah. You know well. Stand. He called back. <laughs> oh man! That, you, you now you see the emotion of it. Yeah, it was like that. I, I, I guarantee the energy he wanted to have to rip was there, but the story, the backstory, and being in that moment, and at the end of the day, who gonna be prepared for those moments, Joe? Right. They, they, motherfuckers not built for that shit no more. You got to do reps. You got to do reps. They not built for it. They got a motherfucking excuse for everything. You ever go to a motherfucker room and they be talking about how's the crowd? Motherfucker, fuck the crowd. How are you? Oh, the, was the crowd lame? No, you were lame, bruh. It ain't their job. It's our motherfucking job. I thought I was going hard in the paint. No, I'm just saying it's our fucking job. You're right. And I've heard you in your podcast talking about no excuses. And I feel like the things you say about no excuses, yeah, it's easy to make an excuse. But at the end of the day, it's an excuse. Yeah. You got two excuses. You got a good excuse and you got a bad excuse. Well, you know what? You could have an explanation for failure with no excuse. What do you mean? We could talk about how you failed and why you failed. Don't have an excuse, but go, I fucked up. I came out. I was flat. I didn't concentrate enough. Yeah, I know what it was. I fucked up. And don't don't use it. Like I say. This crowd sucked. That's the wrong way to look at it. Man, anytime I hear a comedian say, how were they? No, I ain't never saying that. How were you? Yeah. Because guess what? We don't know what's going to happen, bro. We don't know if that motherfucker in the front row is thinking about a funeral. Yes. We don't know that, but it's our job to... Like, you know, 
kind of going back to what you said earlier, in a sense, we do, we read people's mind through their body. You can tell, you can watch a show, you can be like, oh, she was so upset because I said that. You can just look at yeah. the body, you know, you know the posture, you know everything, and then we feed off of that. But who's going to be fucking ready for that? And there's so many of these motherfuckers that are talking, and I'm not going off, but it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's just frustrating when you see motherfuckers out here making excuses. Well, it's not good for everybody that's around them. That's also part of the problem. See, when a guy like you is around me or, uh, you know, a guy like Tony Hinchcliffe or people who are just going forward, who live in the comedy life, like you're writing, you're always writing new material, that's empowering. I want to be around you. I want to talk. I can't be around them motherfuckers that talk about, you know, it's motherfuckers. I've been around motherfuckers that got more (laughs) bomb material than they got real material. Yes. You know, motherfuckers got to, oh, that you do. I did my bomb set. And they're waiting to just one joke don't work and be like oh and then they slide into their bomb and shit they bomb set don't have no bomb material who the fuck writes material to bomb in <laughs> yo in case they throw tomatoes I got the old tomato bit like <laughs> my uncle grew tomatoes back that's why that's not gonna hurt me yeah, go hard ridi- or go home yeah it's a ridiculous idea to have a set that you do when the audience is shitty I mean you do well, you do you know we got you got certain shit if something come your way you can bounce off but I'm talking about these motherfuckers actually write yeah like, oh that's ridiculous like, like have th- in, in the event that I bomb it's going to go that way. Fuck that. They're bombing bits. And I, and I, I just, like, I'm a person that just loves doing it, love getting better. And I tell people all the time, if you liked any of the things that I've done, whether it was HBO's The Wire, Chappelle Show, and other stuff, if you come see me do stand-up, you'll become a complete fan. Because, like you said earlier, that's the one thing that we control. We don't have to have an audition for that shit. We don't have to motherfucking get tested for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I made it to this test. That we don't have to fucking, we don't have to pitch it and you know it's a good thing and they say fuck you anyway. You can't fuck with us with that. It's like, yeah. that's what we are. The executive producer, the producer, we the, 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 the line producer, we everything. And you can't do it. It's us and a motherfucking mic. And at the end of the day, no matter what success I feel, Joe, we get with this, whatever level. I mean, your big ass shit, you you hit it. You know, whether it's TV or 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 or, or movies, nothing is going to ever be able to take away from you being a flat mother, flat footed motherfucker that can stand in the audience. And you've built your stand up name enough where, for the most part, the rest of your life, you'll be able to create a good living off of your name. Off of doing stand up, Hollywood don't have to call you. Yeah, for that. that's that's big too. But if you respect what it is that you have a relationship with those people, you have to write for them. You have to work on your stuff. You have to be diligent. You have to be. You have to have uh, an ethic about it. Like, yeah, like you don't want to rip anybody off. You want them to see a great show. You want right. to do your best. You want to do your best. I feel bad, and it's so weird. You know how we are. I could do a, I could do a show comedy club it's like five hundred people. 498 motherfuckers I'm destroying. Mm-hmm. And it's two motherfuckers just not feeling me. <laughs> and I need to get their undivided attention. It's like, I don't even hear the laughter. I'm like, you don't fucking like me. Now let's talk about it. You know who's the worst at that? What? Nick DiPaolo. 
Well, he'll go at one person. He gets so mad. And one he person. He sees someone like this, and the whole rest of the audience is dying, and someone's giving him the stink eye. He's like, what's your fucking problem? Yeah. <laughs> you can't. You just like that. And it's like, and you and you won't stop until that person doesn't have a problem, or they, or they leave. You know? Yeah, that's a weird thing, man. Under, you, it's called undivided attention. You get committed to wanting everybody to love you. You can't. That's impossible. There's yeah. also people that will fuck with you for extra attention. Yeah. You know, they, they, they want you to look at them with their arms crossed. Because they need attention. They're the, the same people that protest shit where it doesn't really necessarily make sense. They spend so much time and effort thinking Man, about these what, things. Let me tell you something. It's, it's so funny you said about protest because um, last couple of years, comedy has been interesting. There's a lot of people that are fans of Donald Trump, a lot of people that aren't fans of Donald Trump. And I think it's petty for you to be upset with anybody because they chose to vote for whoever they chose to vote for. I think it's stupid as shit. But I will say this past election was interesting in the sense that a lot of people were upset. Black people were upset the last election. Uh, women were upset. Gay people were upset. But white people were really upset. Like, white people were the angriest. And white people did not protest. They voted. Black people was like, Black Lives Matter. White people was like, we'll see about that in the morning. And whenever you hear someone says, we'll see about that in the morning, it's going to be some change. It's going to be some change. But comedy, I don't think comedy should be a place where people exercise anger or be angry. How, in, how so? In what way? That, um, like, being mad, like, when Donald Trump um, first got elected, you know, personally, like, it, it was very interesting. And I've seen a lot of comics, they could just go up there and be like, fuck Donald Trump, and just, ah. Right. You know, you could find a way to say fuck Donald Trump or anybody, but it doesn't have to be fueled with any anger. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be fueled like, fuck you. be like this. Fuck him. Okay, why? Why do you say that? Why do you say fuck him? And then lay out the reason. But I just don't think that people should be angry about how they feel about. It's just I think it's fucked up when politics make people angry. It's it's contrary to what you were saying was great about Chappelle's show. Mm. That the comedy came without being angry. Right. But it made great points. But even anybody on both sides could laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about Trump that's it's interesting. It's like. The job shouldn't exist. The job of what, president? Yes, it okay. shouldn't exist. It's a ridiculous idea to have 300 million people under the guidance of one. That's insane. And that, one, that one wins in a popularity contest, that's insane. Right. It's fucking insane. It doesn't make sense. It was, it was a great idea back when there were pilgrims and it was a small colony. And they just came over on a boat. Right. Forget, it, forget about the rest of this shit. It's right. just too many humans. Right. So when you let a guy like that... Like b b try to be present. No, he, you're not going to be happy. No one's going to be happy. Right. But you're not going to be happy if anybody wins. It's 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 untenable. Look at Obama. Obama aged like how many yeah. years? In eight years. Yeah. He looked like he he aged twenty. They years. all do that. It's like they I call it the Ted Danson effect. Once Cheers got canceled, <laughs> <laughs> you was like, who the what? fuck is that? Yo, the first time you saw Ted Danson, I'm not talking about years after Cheers. Yeah. Like after the first, you like, God damn. He stopped dying his hair. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. There's something about Trump before that that people enjoyed. They, he was, was in a lot of rap lyrics. He, man, he was like the ult like people would probably still be if he was a rapper instead of president yeah. right now, it'd be different. He'd people, still be popular. People rapped about him. They liked that lifestyle. But the thing was, be, I'll tell you this, my thoughts. The thing was because you thought you knew a person. You thought you knew him. Right. And even when he got elected, I think a lot of people thought they knew him. Right. They thought they knew him. They thought the image, like, the, you ain't going to be the billion guy, billion dollar playboy guy forever. But you thought you knew him. But then when you got to know him, you started to think, well, maybe I didn't know him. When you got to see him as president. Yeah. You get, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think, and like, even, as, and even as much as, even how he got elected, people were upset about it. But I think a lot of people at some point, they was like, Did you know what? Maybe all of that shit was just to get elected. Maybe that energy was to get elected. And if that was the case, then he mastered it. He mastered how to get connected with his base. He mastered, ma he mastered how to get not everybody to fuck with you, but just the right amount of people. Yeah. He looked at the numbers. It wasn't about the, it was a popularity contest, but it's also new, like, these are the people that got hit, and he, and he figured that out. Well, but I think at some point, Joe, people were like, all right, okay, it's over now. Let's see who you really are. And I think it's so many examples of when you felt like he could have showed people example example that he's for everybody right. opposed to just, just his base. Right. And I think that's what get people a lot of what make people frustrated. He gives the impression that, you know, I only care about these people that elected me. You won. Right, but you have responsibility to everybody, and it just don't have that feeling. Even on my social media, I don't go hard. I keep it kind of neutral. But I said something, and somebody said, "Well, the last time I checked, Donnell, the economy was doing well." And I said, uh, "You can't confuse the economy with humanity," and that's the thing. And that's what that's what people don't feel good about. You can tout all the numbers. You can tout all the numbers you want. Uh, black unemployment, all the numbers. All the numbers, but how do people feel? You know what I'm saying? They and feel represented. They don't feel don't they don't feel right. represented. Don't right. they don't feel like I could rock either way, bro. Democrat, Republican. I make enough money where a lot of the views of Republicans be like, "Yo, that's right up my alley." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you got that right. I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> and you know, like that. I fucked some Republican bitches before. So. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I get but, it. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, it's the it's the and it may not sound right to a lot of people, but it's the human factor of it. You know what I'm saying? Like you want to feel good. Right. You want to you you you, you, you why so many people don't know the economy is doing well because they don't feel good. Right. You know what I'm saying? You want to celebrate. You want to cheer. You want to feel good about it. And that's the whole thing. And the thing, I believe when Obama ran, like his campaign was changed. Donald Trump would make America great again. Either one of them could have ran off each other's campaign slogan. Do you know after Bush, Obama could have said, make America great again. And it would have electrified the debate the same as change. True. They said the same fucking thing. That would be the great thing for Obama That's to say right thing. after Bush. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, one thing that kind of, I don't know, insulting or, or, or get people upset is like, 
You keep pushing the narrative, make America great again, make America great again. You keep pushing it as if America was so fucked up before you took office, and that's not the case. Right. Like, when, 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 when Obama took it from Bush, he was making America great again. You're talking about a shit show, and the thing that people, it, well, however you took it, respected or not, it was never nothing laced with anger. It was never, it, it wasn't no, yo, you see this mess Bush left me? It was never like, ah, oh, this motherfucker. It was never no mention. Do you see that new movie about Bush? Did you uh -uh. see it? I didn't uh -uh. see it either. What's it called, Jamie? Is it out? Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, the one with Vice? About yeah, Dick Vice. Yeah, 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 about Dick Cheney and George Bush. Oh, you, whenever I think about, I say about get, the movie about getting shot in the face, because that's the only scene I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the thing about Bush and Cheney is like that movie kind of makes it seem like Cheney was the guy pulling the strings, and Bush was this like simple, happy-go-lucky guy who they just roped into being president because he was the son of a, a president. That's not far-fetched, though. It's not far-fetched at all. Right. The, the, it's not at all, not even remotely. I I think I actually agree with it. When I think about Bush now, I don't think about him in a negative way. But I think about Cheney in a negative way. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, about Cheney, about, I think about Halliburton. I think about all the, the rebuilding of the places that we blew up. Like all the crazy What's shit. From about, Dick Cheney. Come from yeah, Dick Cheney. No bid contracts that are worth billions of dollars to, to you rebuild. You know, it's interesting you say that even about the Bush because if I had, I know it may sound crazy, if I had to have a pick of who I would have wanted to be the Republican candidate, it was on the, on the Republican side. It was on, I like Jeb Bush. I didn't really get to know him at all. I, there was something that I don't know. That I don't know too much about. Him. I just, I just thought that he had. He was like kind of like a mama's boy. <laughs> I think he probably out of all the kids, I probably think that he probably was the one that thought a little outside of what their norm was. I think he was a successful businessman yeah, too. Yeah, then wasn't he married he? a Latino chick, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know I think about that. But I just, I don't know, but but Bush, I mean, Trump fucked him up. Like, he well, did fuck him up. Yo, how do you fuck motherfuckers up with just nicknames? I felt like, like he wanted to lay down. Yo, I felt like Jeb wanted to lay down. I really do. I felt no, like you didn't the pressure to, got yo, to him. Trump put all of the motherfuckers down. It's like, yeah. you were safe until you got your nickname. Yeah, 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 Once yeah. you got Lion. Yeah, Lion No Ted. energy. <laughs> no energy, Jeb. <laughs> you know, that motherfucker was like, he yeah. could name rap artists. Yeah. No, it was a smart thing he did that no one's ever done before. No, but there's a lot of things. And even like, even when um, even when, when Obama got elected, do you know what it got Obama elected was fucking um, Facebook and $5 contributions. Five dollar donations. He was if you when he was when 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 Obama was running, that he was the first person to use Facebook the way he did. Really? Oh man, they have so many. Every goddamn day, it was Obama asking. He wouldn't ask for like millions. He was just like like a dude in the hood. Yo, l let me hold five dollars, right? <laughs> Like, I would get an email, hey, this is Barack Obama, yo, let me hold $10, right? And I got, and I was like, yeah, here go $10, right? And then a week later, he asked for fucking $20. And then he would ask for 10 again, and then it got so bad, then Michelle would send me an email, but he just, he nickel and dime America, and that's what supported his campaign. And the fact that he was at, at right at the turn of a, of a, of a form of media that you could use to your advantage. He was the Facebook guy. He reached people through Facebook. Donald Trump is doing the same thing through Twitter. I can reach people. 
Why does he tweet so much? Why does he tweet so much every day? Because he knows motherfuckers would rather pick up a phone and read a treat than to read a newspaper. 100%. Fuck There's that. All I need is headlines. People. Yeah. Way more people reading tweets versus newspapers. Right? I'd be stunned. Like, if you could get to see that exact engagement in a good article in the New York Times on the front page versus one of Donald Trump's tweets. <laughs> like, oh, no, nobody, you know, the you only get, two people that motherfuckers are just waiting for their tweets to come out is Donald Trump and Kanye West. Yeah. Those are the two most interested tweet people. <laughs> Kanye West could just say grapefruit juice and fuck up all of the media the next day. Yeah. What do you think he meant? Do you think he meant he was hungry? Or he was thirsty. Kanye just tweeted grapefruit juice. <laughs> one of the most, they, one of the most interesting tweeters out there. Yeah, you wait for a Kanye West tweet. Well, he's got a, a free way of expressing himself. Like he, he has an unfiltered way of expressing yeah. himself. And a lot of people, um, people have mixed feelings about it. Yeah. Mixed views. I know the black community is. A little stressed out right now. Well, because of his Trump thing, but you know what? Uh, I I don't know how much of that. There's two. There's two things. One, Obama called him a jackass. That could weigh on you. That stung a little bit. Yeah. You know, and then Obama. When Obama's gone, Trump takes office. Trump is willing to let him talk. Right. Trump's Trump. Trump will charm him. And here's the thing, Joe. With that said, like when I I do white clubs, black clubs, whatever, I do all type of clubs. But the the thing is, um. You, 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 first off, Kanye West has a voice. Not too many, as much as black people want to throw talent on them, we don't have too many voices that everybody is waiting to hear, whether, whatever it comes out, he has a voice. I believe that Kanye West is trying to say something. I just don't know what the fuck he's trying to say <laughs> because I'm not fluent in Yeezy. I barely know Swahili. I can't do Swahili and Yeezy. And I think he's trying to say something, but if there was some type of interpreter, you know, and I, this would be a dope ass. If Chappelle show is right now, this, is what this would be I a think. dope ass skit. Kanye West says something, and then Dave Chappelle is his conscious interpreter. That would be hilarious. He does. Kanye says, psh, psh, and then Dave yells out. Psh, psh. You know what I think? And this, uh, I mean, I only talked to him once on the phone. But what I think from studying him and paying attention, because we're supposed to eventually do a podcast one day, yeah, is that I think he's uh, he thinks different. He does. He connects dots different, and that's one of the reasons why he's so prolific with music. But that's what I'm. That's yeah. the point I'm making, yes. Joe, and that's the point I'm saying about not speaking easy. But here's and some people that think like that. They don't know how to get it out. It's like this. Just speak it. But I've been thinking about you're this Superman. A lot. I love you. You're my dad. <laughs> you're my superhero you're my dad you're like my father you know how hard that was for the black community to hear him say that part fuck you can sell him a plane all you want but when you say you're like my father and then black people sitting back like could you please explain that so we think then this was funny to me that Kanye said yeah you're like like father figure to me like when I was younger I thought he was going to hit me with the horrific, you know, father was in a, in a shootout, a drive-by. And this would fuck me up, bro. He said, yeah, when I was younger, my parents uh, separated at a young age. First off, you had parents. <laughs> you already winning, motherfucker. None of my niggas had parents. <laughs> they had my mother and my father. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> Not only that. Okay. Okay. Cut my friends. Might have parents. But he said, my parents separated. I mean, they were married. 
That's two wins. <laughs> you up two before you even get to, and they separated, and mom moved down the street. You still got to see your fucking father. <sighs> so that was a little troubling, but the whole thing is, I'm pretty sure at some point, Kanye West will be able to speak a language that everybody can understand. Until then, it's only a handful of people that speak it and understand it and also write it. But here's my problem with all this, and I've been thinking about this a lot. They want to medicate him, right? Yeah. Look how effective he is. Just stop, just stop and think about culturally effective in terms of the music that he makes that people love, yeah. his He's influence. Yeah. yeah, he creates clothes, okay? He's married. His he wife creates conversation makes, and dialogue, too. He does. His wife makes hundreds of millions of dollars. They're insanely wealthy, insanely successful. If you want to talk about overall success, they're together. They have children. Yes. They're super wealthy. Of course. He produces incredible art that's loved worldwide, and they want to medicate him. Just stop and think about how effective. But they want to medicate. What they want to medicate him to operate at what level? Though? Exactly. Right. Think about how effective he is, and yet they want to on medication or off. Off. When he's off medication, he said himself he's his most creative. Stop and think about how creative he's been, how successful he's, how well received. Yeah. Happy in all these other elements in his life. But yet they want him to act the way they want him to act. And if well, black people just want him shit, to take the head off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever, bro. You can say whatever the fuck you want. The black people wasn't mad because he wore the hat. They was mad because he wasn't a fitted. <laughs> they was looking for a new era. If that was a new era, they would have been more accepting of it, man. We just don't want the hat, son. It's red and white now. That That's a problem. Anything with red, with white letters, somebody yo, will punch like, you. Yo, I'm telling you, it's like when I see... I, it's so funny now. Whenever I see a redhead, I'm like, huh. like I'm immediately. But I did a show upstate New York, and it was this white dude came up to me after the show, and he didn't have what looked like a Make America Great Again hat. He had a Make America Great Again hat, and it looked like he had the original one. You know how you got a, <laughs> you know how you got a Boston fan, and you're like, you only been a fan. No, right, he was he was a brim. fan of America making <laughs> great before. Like he probably sold uh. the hashtag to him. The, the, but here's the thing, yo. This motherfucker had the hat on and shit. And uh, at the end of the show, he was one of the dudes that was continued to laughing the most, you know? And I went up to him and I um, I, I was like, yo, I got to get a picture with you. And I took the picture and it was a video. I was like, yeah, motherfucker, y'all see his hat. And he started laughing. And we had a good moment. It wasn't no, I wasn't angry at him. I'm not going to let, I think it's hard to, Get away from it. But I think Kanye with the hat, he likes the idea of how it gets people flustered. He's you a know? contrarian it's in a triggered. lot of ways. Triggered. Yeah. Your special was triggered, right? Yeah, one of them was. Yeah. yeah. Um, excuse me. Sorry. All right. All right. <laughs> no, but I'm saying it's like triggered. Like, even, and I, when I, when a guy had the hat on and I was talking to, I heard it on the side, it was like this oh, he's triggered. And I wasn't. I wasn't triggered by that. What I was what I would have been triggered by is how you make me feel. With that hat. No, period. Period. You know, you could come at me like you could come at me with the hat on with some fucked up energy and I could feel it. But the energy he gave me was like, I know this may sound crazy, it was like, yo, you're a funny motherfucker. With the hat on, you're like, okay. I didn't give a fuck. 
Right. Because I couldn't let him. I, I couldn't let him. Right. Make me feel like if that's what his intent was, he was gonna make me feel uncomfortable. I couldn't do it. Do you Smile. think he was trying to make you feel uncomfortable? No, I think he just, really. That's who he no, was. I think that's who he was. But yeah. I think he. That's who he was. But I know that motherfucker would laugh like a motherfucker. So, at a comedy club, that's all you can ask for. That's all you can want. It's that's all thing. you want. Yeah, oh. that's all you can want. Yeah. No, you got the right perspective, man. Looking at it all the right way. I love it, man. It's like at the end of the day, you got good people and you got bad people, and it's who. Do you choose to be? Yeah. You want to be on the good side or the bad side? And yeah. it's easy. Man, it's... it's. I know it sounds corny. Rodney King said, can we all just get along? We all could get along if motherfuckers just remove the hate. Yeah. Well, we, you know who I always look at? We can get along. The three of us in this room, we have no problems. So when we, people expand out, what goes wrong? Like, what, something goes wrong when you get to, like, three million. What is it? Three million and what, and what? Just humans as people expand out. You get a couple of people together, and m most people could be fine together. Most people. The vast majority. It's when you get to large numbers. It gets fucked up. It gets fucked up. It's almost like people are supposed to live in small towns, you know, with a bunch of cool people. Like, small town with a bunch of assholes would suck. But small small town. towns with all... How about if we lived in a small town with all comedians? You know, I know. I mean, if Von I lived in a small town right now, I would be a... <laughs> if I lived in a small town right now, I would be a grandfather. You think so? 100%. What do you do in small towns? And you fuck. drink and get and fuck out <laughs> babies. Yeah, but I mean, a small town, a community, let me say, filled with comedians. We would, there, It would be a lot of murders. <laughs> Yo, comedians would actually kill each other, man. I can't even like I can't it's just only a certain amount of comedians I can be around at one time cause then it started getting you know there's motherfuckers jockeying for the best joke there's some that are like that but there's some that lay back and are laughers and those some are snipers ah, yeah like those Jim are snipers was a good sniper yeah they're snipers they got that breathing pattern right yeah <laughs> They know when you pull that trigger, it's supposed to shock you. Every, it's supposed to sight you every time. Yeah, they don't throw any loose bombs. None of that shit. They, they got that missiles. sniper finger. Yeah, that's a good way. Of putting it. That's a very so good way. So snipers and the motherfucking grunts that go out there. Yeah, grunts. I was in the military for four years. Were you really? Yeah. Air Were we in Air, Air Force? Force? Wow. I was. In, I was. I was a worst. I was a cop in the military. Really? Nobody believes I was the worst cop ever. I made one arrest in four years. And that was because a girl came through the gate. She had some big titties. And I decided that I needed to pull her over. <laughs> but I was the worst fucking cop. And I had to get out of the military because I used to hear this phrase all the time. Airman Rawlins, your blatant disregard for established military policy shows a lack of military burning and integrity. I used to hear that. I was like, these motherfuckers are going to gun to kick me out. Air Force, four years. I was a cop stationed in Kunsan, Korea. Station in Boland, NUICO, Tongseng, NUICO, Nuna, Haigu, Dega, Toktoke, Arso. Wow. Um, four years military, three years, uh, two two years in, in Korea, two years at Boland Air Force Base, and I got out and just randomly went to a comedy club, became a heckler. <laughs> I was an asshole. <laughs> I used to go to this comedy club every Wednesday to fuck with the comedians. Where was it? Comedy Connection to Greenbelt. It was like the Black Comedy Club in D.C. This was a time of when Martin Lawrence was on fire, the Def Jam thing was popping, and and they had on Black Comedy Clubs. It would be a it would be a pizza shop, 
they'll just turn. Okay, now it's a comedy club. Monique had a club that she made turn from a restaurant to a comedy club just because she got more business on the weekend as a comedy club than a restaurant and just took it over. And I used to go heckle the comedians. And I, I was such a good heckler that people used to come to the show to hear me heckle. They would be at the door like, yo, is that asshole dude going to be here tonight? And that was me, the club owner. Dared me to go on stage because they wanted to shut me up. Joe, I was so cocky. After four <laughs> weeks of heckling, I tried to make a deal with the club owner. Come on. I, do, I swear, I was like, look, I know, I'm telling you, I said, I know I've increased business by 30%. No. We need to start working on the door deal. He looked at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? Anybody in DC will tell you this story? And they wanted me to shut up. They asked me to go on stage. And I went on stage. And the first time I went on, I murdered the shit. And I knew that I wasn't going to be doing anything else with my life but doing that. I just yeah. knew it. It was just like, flap, flap, all like, bah, 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 bah. How did it feel? It felt great. Do you remember it? I remember it, it because. flashes in your mind? I remember it because I had talked so much shit to this point. <laughs> and the thing about it was, but the, 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 the room of the energy, the, the energy of the room was there because there was a lot of people that came. They saw me. They were like. And like, when you gonna go it? You should, you know, they were like, you should try it, you should try it. So the first time I went on, people were excited about it. They didn't know what to expect. And I wrote all these jokes. I'm like, I got, I got 30 minutes. I was like, blah, blah, blah. I was so cocky. We used to have an open mic. And you know, open mic list is like 30 people. And I would be like 10 on the list. And they would keep bumping me. And I thought they were just trying to save me the headline. I didn't think they were just trying to give me the shittiest spot. But half the club came to see me, so they would stay there. And that first time I went on, I had all these jokes I planned I was going to do. And when I went on stage, I drew a complete blank. I don't remember shit. And then I went what I knew best. I started fucking with somebody in the audience. I got a laugh. And then I did my material. And I, I didn't know what the light was. They gave me the light. And I was like, oh, I got to go. Like, you know, the light means just make that your last joke. Right. And I got off abruptly. They, I, I, I said, I got to go. And... People started booing. The host went up. And they was like, no, Daniel, he doesn't know. He's new. It's his first time. He don't know what the light means. He'll be, he was like, he'll be back. And um, I was there almost every Wednesday for eight months. And then I moved to New, for, I moved to New York at six months. Wow. Said, I'm out of here. Where'd you go first? Club-wise? Yeah. Or live? Either one. Brooklyn. Brooklyn, you live? Brooklyn lived? was a barrel. That's why to this clubs? day. But Brooklyn, it was interesting to me because I didn't go from from D.C. to like mainstream white clubs I was doing still the ghetto rooms and shit and a lot of times I couldn't get spots so I would go to a, I would go to the um, poetry open mics cause that shit used to be so dull <laughs> the water was shifting the wave wave and I'd be like does anybody want to break for this shit right and then I would go do jokes when I couldn't do comedy clubs I would do that until I started making a name for myself and never looked back it was dope New York is a a great place to get your chops up. Great what place year do you enter New York? It had to be probably like 95. Probably like 95. Yeah, I'd already moved. I'd gone, I'd left in 94 to come to LA. Oh, yeah? When did you get out of here? I got out of here like seven years ago, maybe eight years ago. And it was because my, my situation was different because I wasn't getting a lot of road work. And I was like, well, fuck it. If I'm not getting a lot of road work, I might as well try to get more film and television stuff to move out to L.A. And then when I moved out here, I um, started getting more personal appearances. So basically, I moved to L.A. and became a road comic. <laughs> and I wasn't mad at it because 
after you doing it for a while, you just want to, where the fuck can I make money doing this shit? You know what I'm saying? If it's the road, it's the road. You know what I mean? If it's Hollywood, it's Hollywood. But who was going to pay me some money and it was the road? And until now, like I do 40 weekends a year, but with me having a, a young kid now, I'm trying to focus more on film and television and get some more stable shit because I'm, I'm getting a little, you know, it's getting burnt. I hate to say this because huh? I've said it too many times, but you should, should have a podcast. I've heard that. <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to Beard and Humor, man. Dude, I've started a thousand podcasts. I need to start yours. I'm with it. Yo, yeah. I'm telling you, my dude, like. You should do it, 100%. I used to do, I used to do I, and I miss, I used to do radio. I did radio, I did Hot 97, but I would love to do a podcast. You're a natural. You could have the number one podcast in the country. No bullshit, 100%. Let's do Don't it. Don't you think, Jamie? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it'd be easy. You just need someone to make you an account and just up, you could, shit, you could upload it literally from your iPhone. Or whatever phone you use. You, you put a little microphone in the bottom of it. I do. I do. And another reason why, because I always want to talk. Yeah, I'm sure. It's yeah. fun. I get it. But you've been in the game for a while. Nine years. Damn. Almost 10. 10 but you December. were, you can see yourself a pioneer? No. There's people before <laughs> me, for sure. I was just one of the early adopters. I'd say an early adopter, but it was already established. You know, mm-hmm. Adam Curry had one. I think he, was, he invented the name podcast. And then Adam Carolla went from radio to podcast. And that's when I was like, oh. oh I didn't know. Um, oh, wait a minute. Was he a radio personality yeah. before he was doing the man show? Yeah. No, no, no. He did the man show. And then he did, he, well, he was a radio personality first. Then he did the man show. And I think he did radio during the same time. Oh, he did Line Love was, Line. Yeah, yeah. yeah, during the same time. And then after that, he had a big time syndicated morning radio show. And I did his radio show a couple times. And then when he left his radio show and went to podcast, he got this professional studio built and everything. And I went to visit him, and I was like, "Whoa!" And I remember walking around the place, going, "Look at this shit!" Like, <laughs> like I was when yeah, I came yeah, here, yeah. right? Same thing. Man. I'm like, "Who the fuck got a wolf?" <laughs> <laughs> and not a wolf from here, from London, yo. I saw shit that I never seen, motherfuckers. I'm like, "What is that? A point? What is that? What is that called right there?" That's an elk. Elk. Yeah. One of the people that um that uh. Um, that make that what do they call it? it's a profession taxidermy but yeah, that's only when they put like the fake when they Hair put the fur over it and the fake eyeballs and shit is that yours that's mine yeah that's an actual real skull god damn that's what they call a European mount when they just have the, the skull and the antlers that's where I get my food from I'm cooking a elk roast tonight when I get out of here and it's, and it's from him yeah. no, not that one not I'm that one I ate that one already I ate that one down see that's some man shit man elk <laughs> Yo, if I you go tell my some. boys I'm eating elk, they be like, you changed, son. I think you gay, son. <laughs> yo, yo, he gay, son. He had cottage cheese the other day. <laughs> that motherfucker say he a vegan and he eating elk. <laughs> oh, no, son. He trying to do them fucking $5 footlongs with Smollett or Smolletta. Uh, how do you say his I name? can't say his name. Smollett. That poor guy. I say the motherfucker. Let me, let me ask you this. How does that guy come back from that? He doesn't. Ever? No, because he he's going to. Was he, how does he feed himself? The way he feeds himself, because he's still going to have a base. The base he's going to have is like, the motherfuckers will be like, this, fuck it, I would have did the same thing. Ooh, that's not a good group of people. You said it's not, it might not be a good group of people the way you think it, but for him, it's a group of people. Right. It's going to be still some people that want to hear his side of the story. Like everybody's not, everybody's not like dismissive of him. Right. 
And some people still hold on to like, well, maybe some people they're just gonna, you know, like I refuse to believe it. Right. Point blank. Well, he's still denying it. He's saying that they're lying. Yeah, That's man. The latest thing. But you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It doesn't look good. I don't know. Them dudes was in the. I don't know. I don't. I think something else was going on, bro. Ooh. I think something that. Ooh. I think that he be. was. I think he was possibly paying them for something else. Huh? Could be. Not just yeah, <laughs> to beat my ass. Like, <laughs> thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I got some other ways we can make money. I don't know. Again, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's, it's a good story. So, it's so fucked up, bro, because you have, like, it's so fucked. I have a, my older brother is gay. And, like, with that situation, it kind of rung home to me because when it first was put out like this I wish the fuck somebody would try to violate my brother or disrespect my brother I know how at arms I'd be ready to go so I had that and that's what's so fucked about the whole shit he had so many people that was riding for him for different reasons man and it's like really selfish for you to not give a fuck about how you're gonna hurt people you know what I mean maybe he didn't realize how bad it would go wrong maybe man bro come on you going for the gates when you said when you're when you're saying throwing fucking bleach on me, mag, you trying to you trying to trigger motherfuckers. Yeah, you're you trying are. to trigger for, for Alvin Sale. Did he say he was a gay Tupac? <laughs> he said that. <laughs> I ain't no killer, but don't push me. Revenge is like the sweetest joy next to getting. Well, he didn't say the pussy part. Oh, but, that's hilarious. You know, he said that he was a gay. He already had his movie in his head. That's so ridiculous. I fought. I'm the gay Tupac. He already had his hashtag. He probably bought the white website. Trace that. I don't, know, I don't want to stop this podcast, but I got to pee so bad. I did two podcasts in a row. So talk to Jamie for just two minutes. We can talk I got to take wine. a leak. What is that Please right there? I'll take the one of those. Is that what a pre-roll? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can, yeah. Word. I'll be right back. I just have to pee so bad. I ain't mad at you, oh. son. Oh. Uh, you got a lighter right there? Yes. Look, just know you when you know you're LA. It's like this: is this an indica or a sativa? There this, is some extra spice in there too. There's a little extra, like I think it's called butter. Butter? That why? It's like wax. What? Yeah, it's a little bit. It, you can't really tell it to be honest with you. That's how white boys set you up. Uh, yeah. That's how they <laughs> say, yeah, yeah, you, no, yeah. Yeah, like no, just eat half the ear. You'll be okay. How many people still come up to you about the wire? I know, obviously, Chappelle's show, but you know the funny the thing about the people that come up to me, the wire, they identify by themselves as instant intellects. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like people, and they'll, 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 it's almost like they're cocky. Like I know you're on Chappelle and a couple other things, but you know where I really love you from the wire. That was a dope experience. Did you ever watch HBO's The Corner? I started. I started. I think I got. Uh, I feel like it was six episodes, and I watched. Yeah, it was a six. Three it was a mini series. I, I didn't yeah. watch all of it. I was in that. Okay. I played a heroin addict. And that and um a lot of people don't know. People that are fans if you were a fan of the wire, you definitely been a fan of the corner because so many of the actors came back to yeah, do the wire. Yeah, that's why after I watched the wire I wanted more and more content like that. And so I went back and tried to watch it. But I just I actually enjoyed rewatching the wire more. So I watched I liked the show and I was supposed to my character was supposed to um build out more. But uh the Baltimore tourism board was upset that Every time someone goes shooting Baltimore, they depict it as a <clears throat> a drug infested, mm. pretty much what it is. So that's why they went from the. If you notice the shift in the writing, it went from the towers to the docks. Like, how the fuck right do we away. get to yeah. the docks? Yep. That's because they didn't just want to be in the hood like that. But 
David Simon, he was um, he was like, yo, I liked your, you know, what you did. So they brought me back for the last for the last season. I've tried to get Joe to watch it, but it's it's like it's ten years old now, so it's hard to get back into an old show. Yeah, but it, it's so good. So many people, people love, love it that it, way. Man. People yeah. are like, they were like definitely wire fanatics and when they brought me back the last season i was nervous because hbo the last season of any show on hbo the writers get vindictive and they do nasty shit to the characters like the last season of oz it was dudes getting raped on oz it wasn't even on oz they was like dude i'm on nickelodeon i'm just trying to get to the bathroom man but they was right to me i didn't get raped the last season and it was fun i got it i know i gotta settle down and and choose it for a, a run just yeah, just get in, and it's still it's you just gotta watch it because it's it's so good. His character comes up at, at like the best time, and he's not to spoiler alert it, but like the follow the money starts with him, and like that's a that's a why you that know goes. if you're a fan, you know that that my role would have been like if they didn't switch the tone, if they would have kept it in the towers, my shit was because I was the connection between the streets yeah. and the politics. I know I could have blown that character out. And when I first got busted, when I was in the room, I was trying to, I was going to rob the mansion. Mm-hmm. And when Latanya Daniels, he said, what's your name? He, I said, my name is um, uh, Day-Day. Uh, my name is Day-Day, but they mostly call me um, Damien, right? And then he said, my name is Daniel, and they mostly call me Lieutenant. And this is after I had already said how I would rob the whole crib because I thought he was a driver with me. And that character should have been off by then, but so so. Oh well, it was a good opportunity. It was another cool platform. It was dope. I can honestly say, whatever happens in my career, I was on two shows that'll go down in television history. The Wire. Yeah, I I believe you about The Wire. I mean, everybody says it. I just I never settled down and, and watched it. But for sure, Chappelle Show is the greatest sketch comedy. It's it's one number one and number two is like that and in Living Color, and you could pick your spot depending yeah. upon when you grew up and what it meant to you. Because for a lot of people, in Living Color too, because it was on Fox, you didn't have to have cable to get it. It was on Fox. You didn't have to have cable. Did you have to have and cable? Had a, Fox? No, Fox it was, was regular cable, TV. Right. But then it was like it was new too because it was for the most part. A, all black cast. All black cast with and you dancers. Didn't see that. Dancers. It was yeah. like they took Fly everything. Girls. Jennifer Lopez. Everybody was making money and getting ass when that was out. <laughs> I don't even think uh, the Wans, I think who was it? Sean was a DJ. I don't even think he knew how to DJ, but Keenan had that fucking mm. vision, man. Yeah. He had that vision. Who's like. How many seasons did that go? I don't know. Probably six. But did it really go that many? Yeah, it was. Um, that was the show every. Comedian hoped that they would every year they would come around and say they're looking for new people for living color and every city was like just busting doors down and trying to get an audition. Wow! And I remember watching it for the first time. I was at a pool hall in like Yonkers, New York, and I looked up at the screen. Me and a buddy of mine, my friend John Tobin, we we're playing pool and we we're watching the show. I was like, "What in the fuck, fuck is are going they on? doing?" And like, it was they funny. doing no lips when Fire Marshal Bill came out. Oh, I was like, God. "What the fuck?" Yo, am I Jim Carrey was I was an animal, man. <laughs> He was again like, like once you saw him, you just start laughing. Yeah, he was an animal. I mean, how many times? There what, he do, is. what do we have now? Homie the clown. Yeah, homie yeah, the yeah, clown. Yeah. Homie don't play that. Girls would always I think say that. Um, Paul Mooney um, wrote the homie the clown character. Really? Yeah. Did he? Yep. Oh, that's hilarious. It was groundbreaking. It was Wanda. Wow, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> she fucks me. <laughs> but then look at that That's funny right When you know, talk about How mm. dope of a career That motherfucker had Jamie Foxx go from that To Oscar That motherfucker Can do anything He can do anything And sing 
Yeah, we've talked about it before. He's got that weird. He's got that weird ability to do anything. Like when uh, Mike Tyson was talking about Jamie playing him, you know, he was. Uh, well, oh, Jamie we was gonna play him. He apparently is. Oh, I he know he's gonna, gonna kill him. him. He's gonna kill it. He's gonna kill it. He can do anything. He, he can, can do sing. anything. He's got great stories, man. Had him on the podcast. He's got great, great stories. And he's just a good guy. Anytime I've ran into him, anytime I've talked to him, he's always been a really cool dude. Good dude, man. Yeah, he's very friendly. Last time I saw him was at a gas station. He's got some crazy fucking truck, some weird thing. I was like, what is that? I never even saw one of those right. things before. I don't know what it is. I think he got a whole bunch of what you've never seen before. Yeah. You know, like, what is that? Oh, that was from It's some Italy. new... Uh, some new custom-made weird fucking truck. Right. It, was like, it looks like something from the future. Does he drive it or just... He was driving it. Yeah? Yeah. He was... uh, Yeah. Good dude. He never... Do, did he do it? No. no he I think he's did. doing more stand-up again. I yeah. heard he's doing more stand-up. But, you know, how do you... That's a tough thing to do, too, probably, <clears throat> to get that level as an international A-list superstar... To still have the passion to do stand-up. Right. You got to want it. You got to want to do it for some strange reason. You let the motherfuckers, peers in your group know I still got it, motherfucker. You know who did? Did you ever (coughs) see that thing? It was about maybe a year or so ago, right when Bill Cosby was in the heat of all his trouble, where Eddie Murphy did some stand-up on a dais, like in front of a platform. Yeah, that was for, it was an award he got at the Kennedy Center. It was some type of cultural show. I can't remember exactly the name of it. But I remember, I think Dave was a part of that, too. That was a big deal. But the, what got me was how good he was. I was and like, God damn, he's good. You kept, He's a comedian. You know, even though he's not using the stage platform, you know he sits around or is like, oh, shit. Yeah. That would be funny. Of course. You know? I mean, he had this whole routine about them taking Bill Cosby's uh, doctorate degree away from him. He had this whole bit about it when he was doing a Bill Cosby impression while he's doing it. Man, I'm telling you, man, he his it? timing was... That was, would be so good to see him do it again. That's what I'm thinking. His, his It was so powerful. I was like, God damn, we missed out on years of this. Years. Yeah, you're like, what would he talk about? He's like probably close to being a granddad. Can you play a little bit of this? I don't know. Maybe. It's only a minute long. Just give clip. me a little bit. Just give me a little bit. <laughs> okay, it's got a bunch of music in it. Here it goes. Bill has one of these. He says, Did y'all make Bill give his back? You know you f***ed up when they want you to give your trophies back. <laughs> man, we missed out on we him hosting on the him. Oscars, man. Dude, I'm telling you, when you watch him do this this routine, you go, oh my God, he's still got it. It's like Eddie he, motherfucking Murphy. I know, but he hasn't done any stand-up in forever, and it was like he's been doing it every day. Yeah, but you got to look at him when he came on, like certain people are just naturals, bro. But it's so sad that he hasn't been doing it, man. When you stop and think, go from raw... You know, delirious to raw to nothing for all these years. And he might be, if he's not. Not nothing. I wouldn't say nothing. International movie star. You know, but not. You oh, mean for sure. I mean, part, no, yeah. nothing in terms of his do his stand up. Gotcha. That's all I mean. Yeah, the of course. Train. He's an international movie star. But he could have been one of the greatest of all time if he isn't already. I mean, he is already. He's if you have weak. a top 10, you got to kind of put Eddie Murphy in there. Of course. But he could be number one ever. Yeah. If he just kept doing it. But he he made his mark. It would just be interesting. But he made his mark. Nobody was fucking doing it. Like, we got big names and stuff now, but Eddie Murphy was just like, everybody 
was talking about him. Like his special drop, the next day, everybody was quoting lines from it. I was I watched it with my friend Jimmy and uh, with uh, a bunch of his friends, and we were probably like 18 or something like that. Like maybe, Raw, maybe 17, 18. Delirious. It's the best. And I remember we were just like, everyone was stunned. Like we were just, everyone was sitting back on the couch going, God, that fuck? was incredible. Dice Clay had that energy. Yeah. Dice Clay had everybody. That was like what you said when specials were really special. Yeah. There wasn't very many of them. It was a couple of them. And then whoever that person was, you would, you knew you were going to see them on TV or somewhere for like the next two years. Easy. Dude, I found out about Kinnison. From a girl that worked the front desk at a health club that it worked at. I used to work at this Nautilus Plus. I was going to say, what the fuck was he doing in there? <laughs> <laughs> I worked at this Nautilus Plus in Revere. Uh. It was uh, Revere, Massachusetts. It's like this fitness place. Uh, no, that wasn't Nautilus Plus. That was um, that was uh, the uh, fucking, god damn it, Boston Athletic Club in South Boston. That's where it was. Oh, yeah. Anyway, there's a girl who worked the front desk. She goes, I heard, saw this comedian last night. You got to fucking see him. He's the most amazing comedian. He did this joke about gay people fucking dead people. Yo, do you, you know, know that? that bit? No, I don't know that, but just sentence is 20 years old. What's that? That sentence is 20 years old. Yeah. The thing you just said, he did this bit about gay people fucking so-and-so. Yeah. He, Motherfucker couldn't even probably try to think about saying that on stage now. Right, it'd be a rough. It would, it would be rough. You, but the way he said it, the way Kinison said it, you know, so she was you saying saw it to him me after one that? way. You, you, yeah, you, yeah, I went and got it on uh, VHS after that to watch it. It was dope. But she was lying on her stomach in the parking lot to pretend to be a dead body. Because what had happened was these homosexual, in the Kinison bit, these homosexual necrophiliacs were paying money to have a little bit of time undisturbed at the freshest male corpse. So Kinison lies down on stage, and he's going, the you imagine that? Undisturbed. Like. You imagine? He's, he's lying down on stage, and he's like, wow, I can't believe this. I guess I'm uh, going to go to heaven now and be with Jesus. And oh, hey, what is this? It feels like someone's fucking me in my ass. Oh, you mean life keeps fucking in the ass even after you're dead? It never ends. It never ends. So I'm watching this girl who's like this volleyball player, this big athletic girl. And she's got her body down on the ground. And she's she's yelling out. Oh, oh doing you need, a bit? Yeah. She's like, life keeps fucking in the ass even after you're dead. It never ends. And I was laughing so hard That's funny. at what she was saying. I went out and got the, the VHS tape. Did it meet your stand? Did you? Did you? Were you did you like? I was it? blown away. I was blown away. I couldn't believe. But it was yeah, comedy. that type of energy, man, is a different kind of comedy. And yeah, and then like you think you know, he was really loud, but then he was loud, but he was saying shit just like that bit. You know how your brain has to be to even think of that shit. Do you know he shared something with Roseanne Barr? Brain injury. Really? Brain injury. Personality changing. Brain injury. Both of, Both of them were hit by cars. Both of them were hit by cars. And that's how it happened? Both of them. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, don't hit your kid with a car and hope they turn out to be a comedian. <laughs> but this, like, just, you don't think you're funny? <laughs> you're funny now, <laughs> motherfucker. With Roseanne, she was in a mental institute for nine months. You know, And with Kinnison, they said there was an abrupt change between who he was and who he became. He got hit by that car, and then from then on, he was this wild, reckless, don't-give-a-fuck guy and this ranting, raging preacher. But it turned out to be good for him. Oh, yeah. The dark side. The dark side is And for Roseanne. It's good for her, too, you know, in many She ways. might be done now. We haven't heard. How is that show doing, her spinoff? Is it doing good? I don't think it's doing that good. I think it's dropping off. Roseanne is, in my opinion, like having a person with a broken leg and expecting them to keep up on a hike. 
She's got a she's got brain issues. She's heavily medicated, and you know Adderall and marijuana and all these different things. There's a lot of shit that's fucking with her head, you know. And they they kind of knew that when they were making that show. I really think they did. I really think they knew that. But they roll the dice. Yeah, but it's also one of those things where like there's lovable parts about that show because of the fact that she's kind of loony. You know, and she's self-admittedly loony and self-admittedly medicated. We get connected medicated. to the train, man. The most interesting person is a train wreck. It's true. The most interesting person to watch is somebody you think you could probably do better or smarter well, than or there's also, any of that. With like when successful people have a giant major flaw, like a brain injury, with it makes them ramble about shit. You know, <laughs> I don't what know. I'll push for that one. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I like, I like, like my like, celebrities with no brain injuries. <laughs> Like, yeah, here comes a needle. The needle comes out and shit. Like inject him. <laughs> well, for Kinnison, like Kinnison was a he was a groundbreaking comedian. Like when I remember seeing him, and obviously I was only like eighteen or nineteen at the time, but I remember seeing him being like, "Oh, I didn't even know that this was comedy. I didn't know you could right. do that." It was a totally it different. Was different yeah, he didn't give a shit. He he did a show where he would call up. He would out of a phone and he would ask some guy in the audience if your heart was ever broken by a girl, and the guy would say, "Me? What happened? Tell me what happened." Right. And he goes, well, she fucked my friend, and she left me. And he's like, God damn it, give me this bitch's number. And he would get on the stage, hey, hey, Marcy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm here, your ex-boyfriend, Tom. This is Sam fucking Kennison. And, and we would on the phone. And, and would scream at this lady, and they had her over a speaker. She's like, what? What the fuck? <laughs> and he'd be screaming, you fucking whore. Oh, he that's too Screaming funny. into this telephone. It was chaos. Oh, man, I would have loved to see that, man. I, I saw that working. I was working as a security guard at Great Wood Center for the Performing Arts. So I got to see it while I was. I paid for it there once, the and special. I got to see it. Yeah, I got to see him live three times. Right. I didn't see the special, but I saw him perform. Like at the comedy store or something? No, no, no. Was it a big ass amphitheater? Can in you imagine how it felt to see him work the OR? Oh my god! Did you you know, motherfuckers might be out in the hallway and shit trying to peek in. Yeah. That room started getting tight as a motherfucker. <sighs> he was so powerful. And funny looking, you know, like everything about him, the beret and the fucking but his, child molester his jacket. Was, I don't say if it's set the standards, but <laughs> it was like everybody wanted to be the loud, fat, loud, fat guy with the crazy hair. Yeah, there was a little bit of that after that. He, he opened up a door for something that people loved. They loved. There's something about him that was like you knew that he was like genetically fucked. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a good specimen of manhood. But he was angry and smart and confident and fucking and ferocious. And he would talk about all that. And he'd make, you know, the part of the fact that he was physically vulnerable was part of what, would, what made him funny. And he was just off the chain. Yeah, well, the funny thing is about, he, he had some hilarious bits about being married, about the devil coming up to you when you're married. Oh, oh you've been married? Oh, relax. <laughs> No, this isn't even going to be scary for you. Like, oh, here's where we torture the souls. Ooh. Like, That's funny. He, he had this shit where he's like, he goes, look at my face, look at my face. Ow, ow. He goes, I've been married twice. And you can't even try one of his jokes without doing his voice. No, you can't. Like, soon as <laughs> You can do Seinfeld and you kind of do Seinfeld hear, voice. Even if you hear somebody, do they voice even yell a little bit like, all right, calm down, Sam Kennison. Exactly. Get out. Oh, oh! I live in hell. Yeah, he had some. He had some groundbreaking shit where you you watched it. You and it was a, like you were on a ride. 
Like all of a sudden there was this new thing going on. Was this our Saturday Night Live? I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. He would have tore that shit up. He would have. They banned him from a lot of things by the time he got to a certain stage in his comedy career. There was cer- certain subjects and certain, you know, he had this bit about AIDS. It was so ruthless. And it was like, you can't he, do that? And he goes, everybody says, AIDS shouldn't make fun of AIDS, Sam. It's a communicable disease. He goes, straight people get it too. He goes, name one! <laughs> name one fucking guy! And they can't it's not know. our dance! And I remember hearing that going, whoa. That's funny. Whoa. Fuck you, it's not our dance! I'm like, oh my God. And uh, there was certain bits like that where people were like, cut. <laughs> Yo, cut. right now, it would be like comedy police everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. I mean, so much of his bits were punching down. It was an argument that I got in with a guy who wrote a book on comedy. And he was telling me that comedy always has to punch up. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, it doesn't. That's crazy. I go, Sam Kinison had one of the greatest bits of all time, two of the greatest bits of all time. One, there was a dude who was getting fucked in the ass after he was dead. <laughs> Yo, I want to know the committee that (laughs) nominated and made that one of all times. But go ahead. And then the other one (laughs) was the bit about watching someone. Oh, this one burnt. I lost the ash here. And the other one was a bit about us watching a commercial to, will you please donate money to, to feed the starving children in Africa? And he's saying, well, it just occurred to us, you know, like there wouldn't be world hunger if you people would move where the food is. And he has this horrible <laughs> fucking joke. And it's the song? worst punching down of all time. Right. He's making fun of starving children. And it's so good. Oh, is it just an observation? I call it an observation. And he's like, he goes, hey, we got deserts in America, too. We just don't live in them, asshole. He goes, don't send them food. Send them U-Hauls. Send them someone like me. He's going he's like, to we're going to take you where the food is. <laughs> and they, that's all they need to do is Dude, simple. He had a joke where he, he was saying, he literally saying, see that? See that? It's fucking sand. You know what's going to be 100 years from now? Fucking sand. <laughs> Pack your kids. Cash, we're going to take you where the food is. That's funny. And you were crying, and it was the most ruthless and wrong thing that anybody could ever say. You're talking about starving children, and it I was think you can make punch it all work. down. You can make it all work. We can make it all work. He Man, was, you can. He was punching down with earthquake-like effects. Boom, boom. And then he hit him with a punch. I probably killed it at the end with a punch. It was unbelievably funny, and it was one of the most punched-down things you could ever do. He's making fun of starving babies. I think it could be done. You can make fun of anything. It's just we have to know. We have to know two things. One, it's not really happening the way you're saying it, because you're just joking, and it's comedy. And it's an observation. Yeah. It's an observation. Yeah. Somebody said, Daniel, can a joke be too soon? And I don't think a, a joke could be too soon, but it never could be too soon for a funny observation. It's yeah. the observation that we see. We can go, we can go to a fucking funeral, and be in that motherfucker on the inside laughing like crazy. Yeah, and everybody going to talk about when we'll I'll see you in heaven when you go to heaven, assuming that everybody's gonna go to heaven. One of the everybody's best, not gonna go to heaven. One of the best lines, one of the best one liners I ever heard was from Dave Foley. I was on news radio with Dave Foley, and after Phil Hartman had gotten murdered by his wife and then right. his wife committed suicide yeah he was up for an emmy and Phil uh, hartman was yeah so we all went you know uh and we all put on suits and shit and went to the emmys and uh he did with the dude from uh frazier won and dave foley turns to look at us and goes what the fuck's he have to do to win <laughs> and we're just like ah! 
Oh, shit. <laughs> it was just one of those things in the moment our murdered friend just lost at the Emmys and he turns to us and goes, what the fuck does he have to do to win? And me and Steven Rude were falling down Whoa. in our chairs. We're like, no, you didn't. That's fucking funny. There's no, there's no too soon. There's just not funny. Man, yo, yo, motherfuckers say it's too soon. I'm like, not always. If it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be too late. <laughs> because the minute you're saying it's too soon, somebody's gonna jump on that shit. Exactly. Fuck it. Exactly. It's I, when you think about it, that's when it has to it, go down. I. That's why I have this bit about that dude who was uh, visiting that uncontacted tribe and trying to convert him to Jesus, and they shot him up with arrows. I didn't, I didn't see that. It was an internet thing? And it's a news, It's a story that's uh, on the news. And I made sure I made fun of it that day. The moment I read it, yo, I started writing. I was yo. like, I'm not letting anybody have this one. This yo. guy visited an uncontacted then, tribe with Bibles. Look, and then you're like this. I got to do a set tonight. <laughs> tonight. Right now. Right now. I called up Adam. I'm like, you you got to hook it up, dude. Yo, I feel, that, I feel that way sometimes, man. It's like, <laughs> fuck it. I'm going for it. Sometimes you just have to jump on something. Man, if, if if it doesn't make my stomach rumble a little bit, a little uncomfortable, yeah. it's it's like, it's funny, but it's not like, you know, it's not your gut funny. I want my gut to be happy. You know, well, one thing that I think we should really say is uh, we should really thank all the real comedy club fans that are still coming out. And one of the things that we're not getting with guys like you and me perform wild people. When we perform in front of comedy clubs, we're not getting a lot of pushback, man. We're getting a lot of good crowds, man. It's they love great it. crowds and they want to, they want it's to have great fun. crowds. They want to hear that fucking voice, man. They want to hear that crazy shit. <laughs> and then, and then you think like, like with me, like I'll, it's weird because like I'll do shows. I'll do like an improv saying, and Cleveland some shit. And then I'll have a sold-out show. And I'm still club. I dabble with little theaters unless I'm with a group of people, whatever. And I was like, how many people follow me on social media? And it's like, out of a room of like 500, it'll be like four people. And I'm like, wow, that's fucked up. But the thing is, the show is still sold out. You know, so it's not followers. I really believe I have real fans. You know, like people that, whether it's through Instagram, Instagram doesn't have to be there, but they know this dude and they want to see him. And those well, the best shit, the crowd that comes out to see you. For sure, 100%. You know, I, it's one thing, and I, you, we can't take anything for granted. It's one thing to, like, go up, like, at a night at the comedy store where you know it's going to be a million comics. You know, it's going to be everybody in the stage. You know, you go to, and it's another thing, and you perform it, but it's another thing knowing when the people that are there are there just to see you. Yeah. You know, when they make a weekend of it, you know, that's dope. It is. It is. It's a great responsibility too, right? Yeah, but you're married to it. Yep. Then, but, but but when it's and when it's like your only option for the most part, that's all I do now. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's good. Yeah, but it's you're like you're in control of your own destiny, man. I just think the only thing you're missing is the podcast. I think your your podcast will be gigantic. I think I'm going to do it. No, I know I'm going to do it. 100. You have to do it. Bearded, my man. I'm telling you, dude. He tells me like we'll be talking, and he'll be like. Son, when are you going to do your... I said, I'm doing Joe Rogan's podcast. He was like, yeah, but son, when are you going to do yours? You need to do one. Like, you're so good at this. Let's set it up. Set it up, Jamie. Too soon with Donnell Rollins. <clears throat> Too soon? Yep. I like it. I like it. That's it. That's the name. Lock it up. Someone buy TooSoon.com. <laughs> 
Don't be a dick. Don't be yo, a dick. Like, blah, 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 give it to Donnell. Yo, get to, yo, give so it to Donnell and I'll reimburse you on PayPal. The cash app, yeah, son. Don't be an that's asshole. That's so white, son. You got to get cash app. I got Nobody cash app. That's when you're going to tell people, yeah, you mean Uncle PayPal. Dude. You can't say PayPal Cash no more, app son. is a sponsor of this podcast. It is. Cash app is a yeah, shit. It's a shit, but, but PayPal is okay. But cash app you for anything. They will. Now, you can't say PayPal. You got this cash app. But I said it. It's like saying Uncle <laughs> Joe's coming over, guys. No. Is he bringing his PayPal account? PayPal's great for buying things online. You don't yeah. use it? Yeah. <laughs> but it's not the cool shit. Cash app's the cool cash shit. Cash app is I the understand. cool shit. I'll cash app you. I have a cash app thing, too. I'll do that. I'll no, I want to do you. one. I got to do it this too year. Too soon with Donnell. I got to do it this year. You should do it to. tomorrow. You should literally do it tomorrow. You're do really tomorrow. good at it, man. Yeah. Yeah, for real. You're really good at it. You'd be great. I want to start. You're natural. It. it doesn't even make sense that you're not. I'd be honored to help. I want to do it. Let's do it. I'll you the podcast you. motherfucker. Why Listen, not fuck with the podcast motherfucker? I uh, I, I try want a to, podcast. I want huh? everybody to do one. Yo, <laughs> I've left podcasts. That's, you are the king of the podcast. Well, I got lucky. I got in early, but I love podcasts, and I, I, and I would love to listen to yours. I'm going to do a podcast. This sounds like a love fest. Uh, I'm going to do a podcast. You 100% should do a podcast. It will 100% be gigantic. I guarantee your podcast will be like number one in iTunes within like a couple of months. 100%. 100%. Probably the first episode would be close to the top. People want to hear it. I'll, so how would I get I'll it off the first on. one? How would I launch it? I'll let you back. Um, we'll, I'll, I'll tweet it for you. You tell me when you're doing it. I'll put it on Instagram for you. Jamie will uh, help you find uh, a way to set it up. Just get you either with a microphone and a friend or, you know, another comedian or whatever. So do you think it's important to engage with other people or can you do it? Bill Burr does it entirely on his own. It's amazing. Right. Ari Shafir does some of the best shit he ever does on his own. Ari has these, like, long introductions. He'll have a, a podcast that's two hours, but his introduction is an hour. And it's just Ari talking shit. And it's some of my favorite stuff that he does. Delia does it by himself, too. Delia and Theo. Yeah. Theo does it by, by himself. himself. Yeah. Dude, sometimes. a lot of people do them by themselves. You know? I need to do one. I really need to do one. Well, you, you're really funny with other people. I mean, if you could probably be just as funny by yourself, but you're really, you're a funny dude to interact with. You know, like, I think you and another person would be great. And, you know, you could just have a friend that's also a comedian. The two of you just start, you don't have to have guests. You could just be talking shit about things that are going on on the news or talking shit right. about life or talking shit about, you know, any, pick a subject. You could have Q&As from the crowd. They could ask you questions. Through email, and, and you can yeah, read I out those do questions. Yeah, I want to do one. I have to do one. Why not, man? Yeah, I have to do one. A hundred percent. It's been calling me. I know. Let I have me to do help one. you. I'm with it. All right. I mean, how would I turn that down? You can't. We're in. They We're in said motion. people said we look like the black and white version of each other. Thank you. I don't know what. I don't even know what to say about that. But it does look like you're a light skinned me. That's hilarious. I got a. That's funny. Shit. I guarantee you, I have way more Neanderthal. I have fifty seven percent more Neanderthal you than the average kill person. Elf, motherfucker. That ain't, that's not as hard as it seems, especially it if you me. have a rifle. But you still got to focus. You got to focus. Yeah, for a rifle you do, but for a bow and arrow, that's when you really have to focus. But it's um. It's Yo, whenever you say bow and arrow, I just immediately hear like a one just went past. Yeah. Um, but it's an honest way to get meat, you know. I think like it's all you know. Like there's an honest way to earn your jokes. There's an honest way to do stand up. There's an honest way to get meat. I don't think everybody should do it. You shouldn't have to. Shouldn't want to. Wouldn't, a lot of people wouldn't. If you told the average person, "All right, you want chicken 
and just show him like six hens alive. And it was like, you want chicken? There you go. Yeah. That motherfucking chicken would rot before a motherfucker was able to skin it and do whatever they do to it. But that's just how we're being raised. It's a denial issue. It's not a reality issue. Because the, the reality is we're still eating animals like crazy. The denial is no one's killing them. There's like a tiny, 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 tiny So you got to get somebody to do your dirty work. Exactly. So because someone's doing your dirty work, you don't think it's dirty. But everybody... This, when, this, is, how, this is the shit to get vegans caught out there. Yeah. This conversation will turn mm-hmm. a motherfucker to a vegan. A little bit. Yeah. There's some there's a, there's look there's some there's a reason why so many people accept veganism is because there's a lot of really good points. Well, the bill, the biggest point is less animal cruelty. You don't want to see animals suffer. I don't want to see animals suffer. Nobody yeah, but you know what? To. I don't hear I, you. You were absolutely right, but I don't hear people push that side of it as much as the the um, dietary habits of it. Yeah, you know, on my side, I hear like it's carrots and this, but you don't hear about no. It's more about the animals. You know what it really is? There's two things. It's it really is all about the animals for a lot of them, and they're really right that it's better than the standard American diet. That e- eating vegan food and healthy vegetable food all the time, as long as you do it correctly, is way better than the standard American diet. But it's also like fish is good for you. Just is. It's good right. for you. Piece of salmon. Piece of salmon's good for you. Wild salmon. That shit's really good for you. Tuna's right. good for you. It is good for you. This idea that it's not good for you is kind of crazy. Like meat is good for you. The real problem is sugar and bullshit. And right. you guys got that sorted out with the vegan diet, and some people have it sorted out with another diet. The whole idea is to keep the poison out. That's all it is. Right. They just get overzealous, and then when people have an idea of something that they're doing that they think everybody should do, then they start telling everybody they should do it. And yeah, there's a couple listen. of people to tell it, and then they listen. Dude, when I was a little kid. That's I- like with the fucking, um, the straws and the turtle shit. Straws and a turtle? The tur- oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole shit, that started. <laughs> Plastic straws. Yeah, it was yeah. like one motherfucking turtle, and I understand it reaching out, but... Now you can't fuck with plastic straws. Yeah, there was someone I retweeted their post. I wish I could remember who the fuck said it, but they were they were laughing about how you can't buy straws, but at Starbucks they still have those plastic lids. Like, what, like what do you? I know he, every straw is you made out of buy, paper. And you got to ask for it. I want to, and then you get a paper straw, and that shit get all sloppy. It's just, but I understand it. But somebody started it, and motherfuckers are. Fucking running with Well, you know, they can make hemp plastic that's biodegradable. They don't have to use the same stupid plastic that's made out of oil. But they can do everything. Hemp's about to change the world. About to. Shout out to Natural Cannabis. I met, these people told me they gave you one of those books. Most likely. The book, you probably have. The book, it's got artwork. It's really, really dope. The cannabis people did? Natural Cannabis. But it's like, you know, in our business, people are always handing us. Yeah. Always. But this was like, it was art. It was like, it was like just little nugs of each strand, and then they had wear it from. They had a different oh, artist designed yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Tate Fletcher gave me that. That was that big-ass book he gave me at the comedy yeah, store. Yeah, it was. Yeah. A, I saw Tony with one, and then Ivy over there, he gave me one, and it's dope as shit. But it, 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 when I, this is the first time I saw something that made me look like, okay, this is the direction. Like, everybody's going to be involved with this. Dude, these dudes. Everybody. These dudes over here brought me a war case, that war chest over there. With that championship belt on the top of it, that yeah. war chest at the bottom, that box, oh, that's, it, yeah. that's all weed, man. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I'm going to open it up. It's got LEDs. You want to see what it looks like? Yeah, hell Let's yeah. Fuck yeah. <clears throat> Look at this. 
I got this box from Mike Tyson. Joe's walking Tyson over to box. the box. Oh, can I video a little bit? Yeah. Mm, he might have forgotten that no one has a microphone. <laughs> no microphone. Yeah. No microphone? That's all weed. Man. <laughs> Sorry, folks. It's all right. I don't want to leave you hanging, ladies and gentlemen, but... Yeah, I'll be right back, but I'm stopping for a <laughs> second, Everything has got to be legal, son. I think uh, today's the birth of a new podcast. Someone already bought be. the... Someone sent me... They already bought too soon with Donnell.com. Oh, beautiful. So he has to start they it. Beautiful. They bought it. They, have, they bought it. Bought it. They're going to get it to us, and we're going we're gonna to PayPal oh. them like regular white people. <laughs> like regular white people. <laughs> Don't pay I'll do the ca- I'll use the cash app. I'll sign up tomorrow. I'll use the code word Rogan and I'll get five bucks. That's hilarious. Just grab shit, whatever you want, man. That's the whole deal with that box. That's the box of doom. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Gino from LA Speedweed for hooking that up. Uh, Los- if you're in the middle of nowhere or you're in one of those states that's still clinging. To uh, prohibition, you don't understand. In I know, you have it all. Yo, we'll get you a bag if you want. You want a bag? This place is that we get arrested for all this, <laughs> and here in California, drops. Yeah, the future of uh, California is a hundred percent legality. Bird, We're legal. These other states, their future, they need to catch up. They need to pass some laws. We're living in the future. We're, we're living in the legal weed future. Yo, I'm telling you, man, this shit. <laughs> yo, this shit right here. L.A. would make you a snob, son. <laughs> yo, L.A., when you go back to the West Coast, I mean, uh, any other coast but L.A., when you go back, people like, uh, I got weed, and you'll be like this, what strand? And they're like, what the fuck you mean, what strand? I got some loud. I got some fire. I got some gas. But this is dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's but you can't underestimate weed in some places. One time, Ari and Joey Diaz and I, we got cocky. We were doing a show in Philly, and they gave us some weed. But like, it's Philly weed, man. Oh, Come yeah, on. that's the worst. When you name it after the city, you said it's Philly weed. We thought it was going to be like, like low-grade weed because it's in Philadelphia. But the guy got a hold of some uh, OG Kush strains from like 2001 and brought it back to Philly, and we were crippled. We but were you the- guys had to be the type of company that you knew you would have to find the best shit. Yeah, well, he didn't know it was going to be that good. Right. Like, if I knew it was California weed, I would have backed off. Right. It's a different thing. Once you say, nah, California, well, and Denver's got that. Yes. I wonder who's going to be the next gangster state. Oregon. Don't got the right ring. <laughs> You know, Oregon, no, it's got to be like Philly, something that you can say really quick. Yeah, it's, uh, but this, it's hard to find bad weed today. Weed's everywhere now. Yeah, you got to think about the type of friends you have that would give you bad weed. Yeah. I got no beef for this chick at this comedy club down in Tampa or something. I was like, you got some weed? She was like, yeah, I got some weed. I was like, all right. So she gave me this joint, and she said, yeah, it's some shit weed, but here you go. And I said, what are you giving it to me for? She was like, you wanted the weed? I was like, why would I want some shit weed? She got mad at me as if I was ungrateful. I want to say, bitch, you smoking it. That's what I wanted to say. I wanted to say it, but I couldn't, son. But I'm like this. 
yo, why would I want to smoke some weed that you just told me was garbage? Just to say thank you. Fuck that. You can keep that shit. <laughs> it makes sense to keep it, right? Yes. Damn, is this childproof? I look like a crackhead, They're son. making some of those hard to get off now. I swear they're not. Oh, bam. Look at that shit. These it. are the best. You could tell. That's good stuff. I it's know. It's quite potent. I know. There's this different is... levels. There's, there's three different ones, three different colors. Find what you like. <laughs> this we is got so some good. batteries back there, too. Yo, that's why I don't have some. Why well, I feel like it's Christmas right now, mm, man? It is. Go grab one of those um, zip-up. There's a, a few of them. There's three or four of them. Where these are the kinds. joints. Yeah. No, I like those little vape pens. They're great. And you, you, you could regulate it. They're good. Once you figure out what it is. Where? What are these? Just a, oh, just a charger. The, For that? Yeah. Yeah. Once you feel like what it is, like you get. Why what, does the little battery look like it changed? No, it's just a USB. That's a USB port. It screws into the bottom of the base of the battery. All right, don't nobody move. Stay still. <laughs> I don't. Oh, where? Hold on. No, damn. It feel like you're in a hospital when you get out of the room, man. <laughs> you like got a roll. You got. You got. Oh, I'm about to get a shot. Yeah, that's a weird oh, thing. There's once, a, that was, oh, is that a disposable battery? No. Uh, rechargeable. No, rechargeable with that little USB thing. Oh, that thing right there. Does it work? What do you got to do with that one? Is that a five presser? I didn't check. Five. No, I don't think Sometimes so. you press them five yeah, no, it's times. Gone. No, no, no. There it you go. just works. It works. Oh, there you go. <clears throat> Ta-da. Powerful LA Speedweed. Yo, this looks so cool, man. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah, but in LA, we get it delivered, folks. So All right, Joe. Legally. Keep rubbing it in, man. All these people out there. Keep rubbing it in. Like, we're not going to meet you on the corner. Like, Change we get it flowing in. All I'm saying is, it's aspire. Aspire to inspire. Keep moving. But you can, in California, you can um, transfer, can you mail weed? No. No? But you can fly with it. They will let you fly Yeah, I'm waiting for LAX. one of you motherfuckers to get caught with that, because everybody, you're the third person, <laughs> not caught, but you're the third person to say how easy it is. Uh, Everybody's like this, oh yeah, they'll let you, I'm like, okay. They won't let you land, though. That's the issue. That's what the problem was. Somebody in Boston told me that shit. Yeah, if you land in Delaware, they'll put you in a hole. <laughs> Yo, then what the fuck? Then it's it's like you can't do it. No, it's still stupid in like a bunch of states. It's only legal in what nine states now? Sure. I think it's legal in nine states and maybe a few more Medical, medically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many all told for, for legality recreational. recreational? I think it's still only four. So what is that? But it's Nevada too. So it's Nevada, 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 yeah. Nevada, California, Oregon, Washington, Colorado. That's five. Okay, so five. Uh, and DC. Boston. Boston is six. It's DC. And Massachusetts. Yep. Um, I think. Make, check on that. I think check it passed when we were there, but they might not have their stores open yet, sort of thing. Oh. Like Ohio just fine. passed medical and they just are now open. Medical. Stuff up. See what Massachusetts has. I want, I'm pretty sure Massachusetts is recreational. Well, come on, man. We're grown adults. Come Yo, on, I feel like now. something else needs to go yeah, in here, is. Joe. It is. It is? Yeah, Massachusetts is. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, in the house? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. No, what this is a pretty-ass pouch. It's pretty, right? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. What company is that? What does it say on that? Loud. Loud. Shout out to Loud. Loud and clear. I love those little things. Yeah, they give cool. you a... You know what? That's a good dose before you go on stage. Just a little... A little quick, yeah. Just a little, woo! Just a little pick-me-up. Yeah, just the worst of <sighs> Yep. What is your pre-show ritual? Do you have one? No. No, I, I, I like to have, like like you said, two puffs of weed. Two puffs. Little little puffs or deep drafts? No, little puff. 
you know, Dave got me back on blunts. Really? Yeah. I know Charlie you hit me with a blunt. I was place. like, when you hit me with the blunt, um, <laughs> when I first walked out, I was like, yo, Joe, slow down, man. We get it. You know? I'm like, you're cool, motherfucker. <laughs> right? That's all we use most of the time now. Yeah. When uh, Charlie Murphy got me on him the first time, and then um, I got, I was like, this is an interesting experience to be high and right. then nicotine high at the same time. The two, two of them together are unique. Right. It's a different feeling. And then I didn't do it again for a long time until uh, I smoked with Dave and John Mayer. Name drop. And uh, we're, we're both I don't know. Uh, I never smoking that with John. stuff. It's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a dope guy. He's a very, you very nice guy. walk around with like, um, these vapor shit that does, like squirt off, squirt out a- uh, Smells? S- smells and shit. Oh, like aromatherapy? Yes, man. He just, this motherfucker just, yo, I'm telling you, you got to watch out because he'll just, you can tell when he got his aromatherapy thing in his oh hand. Oh, my God. Because he's just doing like this, right? Mm. And then he'll just come by you and be like, so how's everything, right? And then It's probably real, though. It's real, but I, he's supposed to give me one of the motherfucking machines. Give him a wand. Yeah, yeah. give you a wand. I'm like, I like the aroma. It's, he had like, it was um, like lavender or something. He was like... <laughs> It was a crazy color, crazy way. He was like, just kept just doing like this. Like he was a wizard of that. Yeah. What's that smell that you got to be careful of? Oh, patchouli. Patchouli equals hippies, right? That's a plant. (laughs) Is it a patchouli oil? It's like a type of oil that like people were wearing, like a lot of hipsters were wearing, right? Is it a hipster thing or a hippie? More hippie. 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 But what is it supposed to do? Just a stinky oil that people put on. It's patchouli oil. Put a little bit here and here. I have some lotion. I don't have it with me. That's (laughs) like organic with some um, magical elements. That's pretty good. Magical elements? Yeah. Yeah. So what is John Mayer trying to do with this aromatherapy wand that he's waving around everywhere? I think he just wants people's sinuses to be open, man. Mm. I think he cares about people breathing. That's, That's considerate. You know, but he was, when he has it, he's like a different person. <laughs> I mean, it's like he, like, like it's powerful. And he brings it around people that have been drinking. So now you got to mix the smell of fucking rum with his goddamn <laughs> lavender machine. And he only has one machine. So once he gets you addicted to it, you got to f- chase him. And he's a little too handsome. I don't even care about that part. <laughs> I just don't want him to have me chasing him for smells because the last two times I've seen him I was like John man what's up with the fucking um, vapor thing he was like you like that don't you like he's got like a pimp he wants to hold it back from you yeah I'm gonna find out who makes it I'm gonna get my own you should get your own yep maybe I can get them to sponsor my new podcast I bet they would do it too soon too soon I like it it's b- born right here yep mm. it's inevitable I like it. It's perfect. I get to talk every... How often do I have to do it? Anytime you want. Really? That's the thing, yeah. Yeah, you can take time off. Ari Shafir, when he went to Asia, he went on a walkabout for like, what is it, three months? More than three months. Ari Shafir vanished off the face of the earth, disconnected from social media, from his phone, from his email, everything. Bought a burner phone and went to Asia and just traveled around for months and months and months and months and months and he just didn't do anything. And then he came talk. back. He came back after three, four months, and it just picked right up where it left belong before. And uh, now he's doing one a week. I want to do it, man. I got to do it. It's easy. You could I gotta literally do it, do I, it from like, your phone. I got to do it, and it's like I think people want people want me to do it. I think I want you to do it. I'm doing. It. Let's do I it. Think Jamie wants you to do it. Jamie, is that it? Yeah, people want. You to That's do simple, it. man. So simple. I don't got to dance. I make. 
power moves. We'll help you out. It's super easy. Say, little bitch, you can't fuck with me if you wanted to. These expensive. These is <laughs> these is red bottoms. These is bloody shoes. Say, little bitch, you can't fuck. That's what I'm saying. You can't fuck with me if you wanted to. You could use that as your opening music. Man, I'm telling you, that's it. <laughs> You can Say do whatever no, you want. You can't fuck with me if you wanted to. These is pencil. These is red. These is gutter. These is butter. These is Brooklyn shoes. Say, little bitch, you can't fuck with me <laughs> if you wanted to. These is pencil. These is butters. These is Brooklyn shoes. Please welcome too soon. Hit the store, cop them both, bitch. I don't gotta choose. And I'm quick, cut a nigga up so don't get comfortable. Huh. <laughs> That's it, sir. No bleeps. <laughs> it's perfect. Huh. I wanna do it. The thing is, that, yeah, no bleeps. Ever. Do it No you bleeps. Want. All fuck ups and all. Let it roll. Yeah, man. I wanna do it. You should do it. I am gonna do it, hundred percent. Yeah, everybody was excited. My friends were like everybody was like geeked out. You doing Joe's podcast? You doing Joe's podcast? That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm like, I can't wait. But my friend keeps telling me. He says, Donnell, fuck that. Do your own. You should do your own. He's right. Your friend loves you. It's quite obvious. It's making a lot of sense. I like the fact that I know motherfuckers that got wolves. Wolves. That's a wolf outside, right? Yeah. Wolf's yeah. American in, Werewolf in yeah. London. Yeah. I don't know how to feel. It feels very... You can... Um, you know, the thing about your podcast, too, is uh, with, uh, with technology today, you could literally do all of it on a phone. Like, you don't need... If you don't feel like... If you feel like fucking around for a little bit, getting your feet wet, you could do everything from your phone. You could stream from your phone. You could record from your phone. You could do everything. What about... Could I do um, just... Uh, just if I've recorded, I know there may be an app, but if I've recorded like my voice memo, just what is it important just to have my voice or it has to be on a certain like platform? Or- oh, yeah. Well, the voice recorder, like on a phone, on an iPhone, the voice notes, I have made a, at least a dozen podcasts. So just I could use that? that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just with that, that's been a dozen podcasts. A lot of them on planes, like me and Tony Hinchcliffe would be on a plane. I just have the phone between us. We just start talking shit and drinking cocktails and laughing. So the more important thing is the conversation. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's a, as long as you do your – like right now, we have a real professional setup. We have a desk. We have microphones. Jamie's a real audio engineer. He knows exactly what he's doing. Everything sounds amazing. But as long as you put the effort to give people a good, solid product, occasionally you can have one where you're just talking on a phone. Right, like I got you. they won't be upset. It'll actually be kind of cool. Right, like people will know. Oh, these guys are on a plane. You can hear the 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 stewardess comes over. We're but I like her. that. Is that it's not fun. normal? No, it's it's not normal. But but you could totally do that too. The thing is, like, if you just started doing that, people would love it. And then let it just sort of figure its own. You know, as you as it gets bigger, figure its own path. But you don't you don't need a big investment to start. You just need one of them little Zoom recorders. I got a Zoom. Yeah, perfect. Microphone, two I'm microphones. I'm ready, but I got my. I need to just do it, bro. Just do it. I just got to do it. And you could, you could do. You it know, here's like the that. thing. This is thing. Um, I right, here's the thing with me. Why I was probably somewhat hesitant. I'm like, man, everybody got a goddamn podcast. Yes, but but the but if you're with the right network of people, 
and you're with the right network of people. People recognize if you're you're in the network of people. With we were talking about, you did Theo's show. You do my show. Right. You'll do Joey Diaz's show. Have you done Joey's show yet? I haven't done Joey's show. You'll do Joey's show. Everybody does everybody's show. And everybody Kevin does Smith. Yeah, all these guys, funny people. You do their show, and then everybody knows, oh, okay. And then it's all in the same group of people. And everybody gets a bump. Everybody gets a bump. Everyone. Yeah. If, as long as everybody is succeeding and everybody's doing well and there's more and more podcasts. And if I say, hey, you should see this guy's podcast. You see Can Donnell's podcast. Can I say podcast. something right now, Joe? For all the black people that are listening right now, could you please take a note of what Joe just said for the last minute? Networking. You got to network. All the family. It's everything. And more importantly, everybody gets a bump. Everybody gets a bump. Everybody gets me, to eat. Including me. Everybody who's even the people that are making more money, they make everything's better for everybody. And it feels better. It feels better when everybody's doing great. Man, I'm telling you, I'm with you 100% on that. And that's like, I'm with you 100% on that. And it's not, it's really simple. Yeah, it's really simple. It's, um, it's hard when you're struggling. Because when you're struggling, you feel isolated and you feel alone. And you feel like it's you versus everybody else. But it's really not. And one of the things about comedians is we've, we've had this conversation many times where we try to figure out what the number is. I don't know what the number is, but it might be less than 1,000 on the whole planet. On the whole planet Earth of 7 billion people, there might be a 1,000 legit comedians. And I'm probably being real generous when I say that. I'm with you 100%. So if I run into a dude like you or a, you know any other real legit comedian, there's a, that is a rare human being. There's right. not a whole lot of us. If we don't stick together, who the fuck will? Nobody. Whose alarm's going off? Dude, you going to sleep? Yeah, no, mine. Damn, oh, my God, we're in a dream. No, I Imagine if you. we just that alarm went off and I woke up to pee. And I was like, "Fuck, I was dreaming." Yo, you got me one epic podcast, son. I'm gonna do it. I'm I'm like, do this it. is an epic podcast. Yeah, man, I really, I really believe that. I'm I really do, do believe that. I be, but I believe that about all that shit. It's it's all it's good for everybody. It's good for all of it us. It makes sense. That's what I was saying. I was making a point, not being funny, but making a point. And I was like, black folk that are listening right now, listen to the strategy and listen to what he just said. Listen to what he just said. It's, it has nothing to do with anything other than community. All the other shit that's in your head in terms of competitiveness is in your own head. When you have that stage, that's your stage. You're there for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever your set is, that's yours. What everybody else does should be fuel. It should inspire you. And you should. Su we should support each other because there's that's not many I'm, of us. But I'm telling you, bro, and that's the... I, I, I'm with you 100%, but that is the one of the troubling factors in a lot of communities. Like, the support goes away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Motherfuckers talk. They talk. Everybody talk. But do you know why? I, I really believe this. Why the support a, goes away? The famine mentality. Famine? What do you famine. mean? Famine. They, they feel like there's not enough for everybody. Everybody had this feeling for the longest time where there's not enough for everybody. And right. I think that's a crazy way to think of things. There's more than enough for everybody. There's 300 million people. How many fucking people do you need in your audience? Like, you, sh you right. should realize if you, if you really enjoyed doing stand-up, you'd want these people to become fans of stand-up. So you'd want to tell them about all these other comedians. Tell them about Joey Diaz. Tell them about, you know, fill in the blank. Tony Hinchcliffe. Whoever it is that you think is hilarious. Tell them. Tell them. There's a lot out there to see, man. This is yeah, a great time. Yeah, but motherfuckers, time. I'm telling you, certain communities, they just don't don't want to they don't want to tell motherfuckers to be just on their on their but, self and themselves so much that they don't want to help they don't want to reach out I and it's know. like you know what I'm saying like the conversation you're having with me right now is simple for you because 
you know, those are the type of friends and those type of people you deal with. But some people, you know what I mean? They, they, I do know what you mean. You know I what do mean? They, they have other fucked up shit. Like, yeah. I look at it like people I hang with, Chappelle and these other guys. Like, we are, like, I went around some powerful motherfuckers. But we're friends, first and foremost. But everybody don't think like that. Yeah. It's a tough one. It is a tough one, but it's just a matter of a shift in the way you view things. Just look at it. Just try. Don't don't let go of your beliefs. Just try to look at it in another way. Try to look at it another way. So and you're you're way better off if you're a team. You're way better off if there's camaraderie. Like when you do a 100%. show, when you do a show with someone who's a murderer, a murderer, and they go on in front of you, you're way better off if you're laughing. When yeah. you go on that stage, you're way better off if you're loose. Like, you just had a good time laugh. But if you're tense, like I told you I bombed with Jim Brewer, yeah. I was backstage freaking out. I was like, God damn, I got to follow this. How the fuck am I going to follow this? But you was this? younger then. I was way younger, but I was gonna, I was like going to eat shit. I knew but I was But another thing, Joe, it probably wasn't, and it was a probably, it's, it's hard to get away from whatever your first experience is going to be. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's probably your first experience. It happened like that. Like a real bomb. Like a, like, like a, oh, I couldn't do shit about it. Yeah, like I was supposed to do 45 minutes. I got off stage at 35. But you went back in the gym. I did. I had to. Yeah, but that the thing is, like, Jim and I have always been friends. And I've been friends with a lot of people that made me eat shit going on after them. It didn't matter. The, 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 the thing about it is that, like, and I've, I, even after all these years, I feel genuinely, genuinely honored to be a part of this group of people. Yeah. Because we do something that is my favorite thing to watch. It's a, that's a group of people, but like you say, it's like a limited circle of like, yeah. there's no other way to say it, but real motherfuckers. Yeah. It's a small circle. It's some okay motherfuckers. Right, right, right. It's more, you know, it's some motherfuckers <laughs> like, you like, they say, you they somebody say somebody's name, and you like this, okay. Okay. And they're like, yeah. no, you're like, I heard you, right? You're like, I heard you. But this is the real folks. And like you say, they got to they gotta stay united. I tell you, a couple weeks ago, when I was with Dave, and he said, "More." Than, he said, "Comedians, it's time to grab our balls, because now more than ever, we're the only people that we we have to talk about what's fucked up in the world." Yes, we have to. We can't keep it to ourselves. No, it's not yeah. fair to nobody. It's too confusing right now because it's too dangerous to have any controversial ideas. People are getting in trouble for. Left, when you don't have no right. balls, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you own it, you own it. Yep. You own it if you own it. You own it. it yeah. You try Everybody don't do that it. Shit. You know? And as it, normally, I'm telling you, if you have a, like a good heart, people know your character. If you own it, they know what you meant to say. They exactly. know. They know. Exactly. Come on, man. Really? Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you own it. If like, you own it. The, well, someone was asking me, why do you think Charlie Sheen never got me tooed? I was like, I was like, what is, what are you gonna do to him? He hasn't already done to himself. The guy was on yeah. ABC Good Morning no, what America you're do talking is, about smoking because rocks. you know why they know, you know why, you know why they didn't meet nobody meet to him because they didn't want him to have another show. Ah, uh, right. Yo, can think about it. Yeah, if he would have got me to, he'd have been in the headlines and he would have found the show somewhere. Let's talk about that. Like collectively, there was a period of time where Hollywood lost their fucking mind, and they were giving out these deals where if you got a certain amount of episodes, they signed you up for a hundred episodes, and that's what happened with Anger Management, Charlie Sheen's show. Mm. Charlie Sheen made more money off that show than he did even off Three and a Half Men. But people don't know that. People don't know that. He knows that. He's the only one that needs to know. Yeah, he's the only one. No. But it's a crazy story. They, they used to sign shows. TV's $200 million Charlie Sheen experiment. 
they used to sign these shows, and they would sign these shows in the anticipation of it they being a huge off. success. Right. So they did that with him. They did it with George Lopez. They and they gave him the money up front. Shows. They give you a certain percentage. You know, right. it's like I don't, I don't know how it's structured, but apparently the point is that they sign up for a giant number of shows, not thirteen, not twenty-two. They sign you up for a giant number of shows, and by doing that, somehow or another, they they you know right after Charlie Sheen had his whole scandal, leaving two and a half men, he went on to have make way more money than ever before. That's crazy. He's got a, he's got a crazy career, man. Legit movie star, gigantic TV star. Also talks about smoking, smoking a lot of crack. All right? Was it crack he was talking about or coke? What was he saying? I think crack. Doing, yeah, doing yeah. drugs. Yeah, I don't way. think I've ever had a crack conversation with anybody. I don't think so either. There's no crack advocates. There's no people. You like this nobody weed goes, advocates? Nobody's, nobody's like, yo, last <laughs> night was a little weird. You know what I mean? Like, yo, I had too many. You can't say you got too many beers, too many glasses of wine. I had too many crack rocks. Come on, man. Uh, yeah, there's a certain darkness to giving into that glass dick. Once you start going down that road, you know you've already you've made a choice. You know, there's no critical thinking involved there. That's debauchery. That's the happiness you chose. Everybody yeah. chooses different happinesses. I had a friend who did a lot of crack back in New York. It was weird. He would he would have to drink like forty ounces of uh, of uh, malt liquor to try to calm down because he'd be just so jacked up from the crack. I had a crackhead friend, and I was like, and I gave him so many opportunities just to be cool. And he crackhead. He gave me a crackhead experience once. It was over. <laughs> <laughs> it was over some McDonald's, bro. We was waiting for McDonald's, and then we gave him the money. They was like, "What happened?" I was like, "Oh man, we were like, we know you a crackhead, but don't crackhead us. You know what I'm saying? Go outside of our community, but like here, don't do that, bro." Yeah, my friend was brilliant too. Brilliant, brilliant guy, but he had just like mental problems, and he just needed to get high all the time. He had, he never wanted to. be. It was his escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He never wanted to be alone with his thoughts. That's a tough one for a lot of people. It was a real one for him because he was brilliant. He's a brilliant guy. But he was also homeless half the time I knew him. You know? It was a lot going on, man, with him. A lot going on, but he was... He, Nobody he, could help him? No. He Not, was too stubborn. He wouldn't yeah. listen. He, he would just vanish and disappear and do drugs for a few days and then come back and... He could do math in his head. Like you could say to him, 99 times 54 times 6 minus 5 divided by 3. And he would when go, he was sober. Yeah, and he would just bang it out. He would just tell you what it is. Quick. Uh, he would tell you. And like you would be there with a calculator. You're like, you motherfucker. Yeah. It was crazy. But he couldn't, he couldn't manage his own brain to the point where he could stay away from hard drugs. And eventually died of an overdose. Yep. Uh, that's usually a... <laughs> yeah. The end of that one. That's how it goes. That's usually how that one goes, bro. Yeah. It's not too many. <laughs> yeah, it's like this. Ooh. Yeah. Like, not too many motherfuckers come back from that. They don't come back from the needle. Nope. They don't come back from none of that shit. It's hard. I mean, if you, it, it is possible, but you need some help. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why that 12 step shit works. We really give in to God or the higher power. It's like you, you're, you're going to have to somehow or another think there's something more important than what you're doing. Otherwise, you're never going to stop this shit. Yeah, but those people become like big sex addicts and shit too. <laughs> Coffee, like, and cigarettes. like motherfuckers. Anybody you know that used to be a heroin addict, they want to fuck everything. All the time. They want a coffee, son. Right? They want coffee and some ass, son. <laughs> they don't give a fuck, son. Give me the ass first, coffee, whatever it is. No. You do know, uh, 
Yo, that's so fucking funny. So true. Everybody that I know that had a situation, the motherfuckers on coffee hard as shit. They don't ever get rid of those tendencies. They just try to figure out a way to put it somewhere else that yeah, is put more it in a positive way. Socially acceptable. Yeah, or it's marathon running or some shit. Yeah. There's a lot of those. They go guys. hard. <laughs> those newly gym motherfuckers just can go on and on. Donnell, I think we birthed we birthed a, a new podcast today. Yo, you know what I just did? And I know there's a reason why I'm mean, here's a reason why I bumped into you in the show, and we see each other in passing. We've been talking about doing this for a long Forever. time. You know what I mean? But I don't like when I see you in the comedy club. I'm like this, yo, that motherfucker working. I'm working. What's up? I know you, Joe Rogan, yada yada. But I was like, you know, you do your shit. I'm like, but when I see, you, I be like, did it work? But I'm glad we had this conversation. I just did Bert's cooking show and I took that shit over son they was like yo this might be my week of getting shows son they was like yo you should do a cooking show right I went to Bert shit Bert was like this I think I just gave my show to Donnell right then I come here then Joe Rogan's like yo Donnell let's do a show we can do it right here like you have to do a show fuck it let's do it you have to do a show yeah and like I said you start off easy just put a microphone on your iPhone it's nothing it's easy to do I got all that I'm gonna do it beautiful yes hey this was a lot of fun, Thanks brother. for having me. Thank you. My Thank pleasure, you, man. Sir. Appreciate Thank it. That was a good time, man. Always good to see you, man. And congratulations. Congratulations on all your success and however many years you've been doing it. Because when I was first introduced, I knew, like, Fear Factor. You know, I didn't even know that you did stand-up until I came out here. Wow. I didn't even know that. I, I, you know what I thought? I was like, oh, that's the TV nigga, right? <laughs> I don't believe this, son. I was like, that's the TV nigga right there, right? That TV uh, nigga do podcasts too? Uh, right? And then, and then I was like, that nigga do stand-up too? And I was like, all right, but he a podcast nigga, right? And then when I saw you do your show, I was like, he'll go hard, motherfucker, son. I, I appreciate your, your your work ethics and everything you do. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you too, man. Yes. I appreciate your, your, your perspective on comedy, your approach, your ethics, the whole deal, man. I Thanks. appreciate you. I appreciate you being around the comedy store too. It's yes, awesome. Sir. Thanks. All right. Donnell, ladies and gentlemen. 